Hey, how you doing? It's Dave Larson. I do this podcast, and if you're a listener of this podcast, you may have noticed that there hasn't been one for a few months, or maybe longer than that. And yeah, that's true. I got derailed from podcasting a while back for a series of reasons I won't go into here. Some good, some bad, you know? And uh, yeah, none of them are really all that important other than to note that there weren't podcasts and now there are going to be podcasts again, or at least this episode, and then we'll see. Hopefully it won't be four months. Hopefully you'll have another episode in just a couple weeks. But with the way the world's been going, I can't really promise anything, but we're going to give it a shot. So much has gone on since the last time we put up an episode of I've Known You Too Long. The first thing, I'm just going to throw this right off the bat, we have a new sponsor. We used to be sponsored by Black Crown Car Service, and Black Crown Car is still cool. But you know what? Motor is cooler. It's very similar. If you use car services, if you're used to calling car services or getting rides, getting home at night, getting to the airport, getting to work, whatever it is you use a car for, motor is the way to go. And you know, it's easy to remember because it's just like motorhead, but just the word motor, umlauts and all. Except you don't really have to know how to type the umlauts on the keyboard in order to be able to find them. So check it out. Go to motormilitia.club. Download the app, get it on your phone, use them to get rides. We love them, we're excited to see them getting off the ground, and let's use them. Okay, I don't even know where to start about everything that's been going on. There's just so much. So I've told you guys probably on this podcast before that I'm a writer. Primarily, I write screenplays, and I used to be involved with this group called the Northwest Screenwriters Guild. And we are reforming the Northwest Screenwriters Guild. We're dusting it off and getting it going again. And I'm on the board of directors now. So if you'd like to check out what's going on with that, go to www.nwsg.org and check out the site we've got going there. I'm actually in charge of the compendium department. And if you're a writer in the Northwest and you're thinking about getting involved, please do come check us out. Check out the site. Come to one of our events. Sign up. Come check us out. We just had a, uh, a little mini film festival with short films that were all uh, made by people who were involved the original Northwest Screenwriters Guild. That was very cool. We showed Big Boy, the short that I wrote, that was directed by Brian Campbell and premiered at Tribeca last year, 2015. And in other news about that short, you can now find Big Boy, directed by Brian Campbell, written by David R. Larson, at Amazon. And if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can watch it for free streaming on Amazon. And if you're not, you can rent it for $1.99 or buy it for $2.99. Yes, it's only five minutes long, but it's, I think you'll laugh. I think you'll enjoy it. So definitely, if you have Amazon Prime, go check it out. Just spend the time a few minutes. And if you love it, please leave us a five-star review. We've actually got like 10 five-star reviews up on there right now. It's pretty cool. That's been another thing that's been going on, and I've been doing a lot of writing. In these months off, I have not been sitting idle. There's been a lot going on, but there will be more about that as things go, as the months continue on from here on out. So listen, I'm going to just go ahead and get into the episode now, and if I can think of things that I forgot that I wanted to tell you that occurred in the absence of episodes, I will add it to the end. All right, enjoy. Here we go. Right, welcome back to another episode of I've Known You Too Long. It has been a while. It's been too long since we've done an episode. 
But we're back. We're going to keep going. We're going to get started again. My guest today is a good friend, someone I've known for a long time, someone I haven't seen for a long time. This guy was drummer extraordinaire for years in the Seattle scene. He was in 1007. He was in Dempsey. He was in Balance of the World. Later, he was in St. James Infirmary and Time in Malta. I know I'm missing some. He played guitar for a brief time in Die Down with me. I'm getting the nod. I'm remembering it correctly. My guest today is Kinder. And if that's confusing to some of you, it's because it's Eric Kinder. But like Prince, he now goes just by a single name, his last name. Kinder, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to be recording again. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast episode. And this, I'm happy you're here. This is my first time. This is your first time doing a podcast yes. episode. So my memory sucks really bad, too. So I brought my, my good buddy Soto. Right. So we have a either it's either an additional guest or an additional host. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be. We'll just let it work out however it's going to go. Yeah. So Tiros Robelos, he's had his own episode on this show already, and he's back again. Yeah. What's going on? How are you? Lean in. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm just busy eating crazy bread. You That's brought it. two bags of crazy bread. You, we, we both like crazy bread. It's and true. I didn't know you had already had some today. True story. <laughs> Soto shows up at the door. Uh, it's like my dream. I open the door. There's a beautiful person holding two bags of crazy bread. You know, <laughs> you've had this dream before. It's delicious. But I had already eaten an entire order of crazy bread and sauce by myself just an hour ago. And, you know, well, what are you going to do? That's life. That's, that's, that shows me for trying to surprise somebody. It was very nice of you, and yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Good job. I will link the Doug Lawless proper way to eat crazy bread video down below so people will understand my obsession with crazy bread. It's a good video. It's a good watch. Thank you for saying so. It's a very important watch for this new generation of authentic Italian food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But we are here today to talk to Eric Kinder. I'm sorry. That's okay. We are here today to talk to Kinder. And Kinder, this is the way I start these. I've known you too long. It's been 25 years, I would say, 26 years. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's about right. If it's 2016, it's about 26 years. Yeah. But I don't know when we first met. I don't remember the exact first meeting, and you might. And that's the first thing we do is we try to figure out exactly when we met. Then I go back from there, and I try to figure out what it is about you. How did you come to a place where we would be together at that point where we met? You know, in the same scene. Most everyone I know is from the music scene. Yeah. So... What about you brought you into that into that orbit? And then once we figure that out, then we go forward and talk about basically everything that's happened to us since. Okay. So when did we meet? I have no idea. I don't remember the exact time, but it would have been probably at the party hall. At the party hall. That's Either. a lot of them. A lot of the, the interviews I do on here in the early days, it revolves around the party hall. It would be Washington Hall or party hall. I never saw a show at Washington Hall. Okay, then it's not the Washington Hall. <laughs> <laughs> what band were you in before 1007? Uh, Face First. Oh, you were in Face First. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was in Face First. The whole time? With Soto? Yeah, we mm-hmm. started the band with James and uh, this another friend of ours named Steve Rickey. Okay. And then uh, Kirby joined, joined later. later. And then we pretty much, these guys were always my best friends, you know. So every band I was in, I was like, if someone gets kicked out or drops dead, whatever happens, I'm getting Soto in the band, I'm getting Kirby in the band, or I'm starting a band with them. So Okay, so it was Face First then. Because before you were in 1007, I had seen Face First. <laughs> like I saw 
face first and hated youth at the Boward Firehouse. So you played that show, I assume. Yeah. Okay, that means that means you're in the photos. Then I've got some photos from that. Yeah. August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. That was August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. Yeah. Yeah. So that's twenty six years. Did ago. you come up to any shows in Bellingham? Just the ones that we played. You didn't, uh, but you didn't I come think... up as a to see any hardcore shows. No, in we went up to Bellingham to see Shelter. Yeah. We didn't play. We went up and we my brothers him. Renault the car. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you saw shelter, shelter in the garage. In Bill, yeah. In Bill's Bill's garage. Yeah. Okay. I definitely saw shows there. I remember oh. Kelly. Yeah, we we definitely met there. Well, because so Bill's garage was over by the mall oh, on okay. the north side of town, and Kelly's garage was up by the lake. And by the time the shows were in Kelly's garage, I already knew who you were. Okay. For sure. So I'm gonna say it's face first, and yeah. it, it is probably the party hall. It's probably a face first show at the party hall where we yeah. first met. Because when I like when Val and I came down. To see that show with Hated Youth. Because that was the same. Hate, or, hate, hateful Youth. Sorry, did I say hated before? <laughs> yeah. God, it's been a little while. People, Hateful I mean, Youth. The youth are hated. I mean, <laughs> you know, Ron's band. Like, <laughs> Well, so I remember our first show was, it was supposed to be Judge and Inside Out. Yeah. Not It wasn't the Ballard Firehouse. It, it was, was Party Hall. And it was supposed to be Judge, Inside Out. It was Undertow's first show. As, as Undertow. Undertow. Oh, yeah. when they came back from being refused? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we played first. All right. So, and that was the show where neither of those bands showed? Yeah, it was just it was just Undertow and Sure, it wasn't Elsa, Judge and Chain of Strength? Because Inside Out did actually come. No, it was Judge and in- Inside Out. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it was us. That would have been epic. <laughs> it was <laughs> a us. a really big deal. Oops. Uh, uh, Galleon's Lap. Yeah. Yeah, Galleon's Lap played too. They were added on with us. Wait, so it was Galleon's Lap and it was that first Undertow... It was Joel was still singing, yeah. But it was that first time they were playing his undertow and not refuse. Yeah, but was, I was definitely at that show, so we Petty could Bone, call that that night. Petty Bone be, on bass. Yep, I've got yeah. photos from that show. Yeah, so <laughs> I definitely I feel like I was there. That would be the night we met, probably, because yeah. I most likely we were hanging in the same circle. Yeah, at the very least, from that point forward, we were just in the same place all the time. Yeah, and I felt like by the time you were playing drums in ten oh seven, I already knew who you were. You know, so. We call it that. That's good enough. Yeah. That's better than that's better than some of what we get to on this show. Yeah. So how how did that happen? Where did you come from? Well, so we all grew up in uh, Mount Lake Terrace, Briar, uh, the North End. Did you were you born in in this area? I was born in Portland. You were born. And in, how long did you live down there? Till I was nine, and then we moved to Seattle. And then the reason I'm in music and all that, you know, well, my brothers definitely. Uh, got me into music, but I remember this guy used to make fun of me like crazy. Soto used to make fun of you. Cause I was, At school? Yeah, because I was kind of a hesher. Okay, so you move. Let's do this. Let's start in Portland. Okay. Because I, I always want to know about details about people. So you left when you were nine? Yeah. So you left in, what, the fourth grade? Yeah, I think I came to, uh, and I actually went to school with Kirby. We were in grade school together. And I think I started. You went to school with Kirby uh, from up here. Yeah. It was in Himsa. Yeah. And in Balance the World with you. Yeah. Um, but th- let's stay in Portland for right now. Okay. He, he didn't go to school with you in Portland. No. When I came up, I think I was either in fourth or fifth grade. Okay. And I remember he was one of my, one of my classmates. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you guys just stayed friends all the way through? We weren't friends. I think he thought I was kind of a dick. Were you? I probably was. <laughs> and I probably still am, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I remember I knew him because we lived really, you know, I think we rode the same bus to school. So, all right. I want to, I'm going to stay back for okay. that. I want to, I want to get a sense about 
about Portland before you moved? Because for me, like the idea that someone was up, like uprooted from their school and moved in the fourth grade, like that's a big event that can totally change your life. Right. You you left all your friends behind. Um, So what was school like for you up to that point? What was grade school like for you? Uh, It sucked. I went to parochial school. Parochial school is like Catholic school. Okay. So I used to get yeah, the I'm rulers. Yeah, I'm dumb. I just went to... Whoa, nuns beat you with rulers? Yeah, because I had... I probably would be an ADHD baby. Oh, you mean if you were if you were a kid now? Today, yeah. Uh-huh. They'd, I'd be on Ritalin. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> so I, I had massive amounts of energy and just would go crazy all day and had a hard time focusing. A child and, having a hard time focusing. So, <laughs> and I actually... This is probably the funnest childhood story I have is getting in trouble because my homework wasn't getting turned in, I think in second or third grade. You had homework? I didn't have homework until well, junior was high. Not homework, I guess assignments. Okay. And uh, my dad worked in the shipyards in Portland, and he worked the morning shift, so he got off at 2.30. We lived half a block from the school, so he was like, oh, this kid's got a problem, I'm going to solve it. So he would show up to school every day and stand in the doorway during class the last 15 minutes of the day, and I was like, oh, fuck. Can I swear? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, like, fucking motherfucker is going to show up at school, which he did. And it was just so every day after everybody left, I stayed over and he went through my desk with me and cleaned it up. And it only took like four days. And I was like, I'm good. So I'm like, if you. He set you on the straight and narrow right there. Yeah, he didn't. He did not mess around. He was a he was a tough man. So. So do you see that story as being something that you then carried with you? Did that affect oh, yeah. the way you approached other things in your life? Well, I mean, if you've ever come to my house, you see, I, I mean, there's never dishes in the sink. I know. I'm, I'm a super neat freak. I remember all... from when you lived with, uh, you lived for a brief time <laughs> on the hill with Carrie Whitney. Yes. And, it and was... I lived with Soto too. And you lived with Soto at that time? Uh, I only lived with Carrie for like six weeks. Right. But I remember it was, it was cause it, you kind of moved into a situation and then all it was like, well, Eric's much cleaner than this situation yeah. or much more particular about things. And there were a lot of people kind of coming through there. I think it drove you a little crazy. Yeah. There was someone that would come take a shower because he didn't want to take a shower at a dorm cause it was a communal shower. And I'm <laughs> I, like, I remember I'm like, you're really, but <laughs> It's all good. You know, anytime you want to come use my shower, it's all good. <laughs> You're cool with it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely know. I remember that story. It's so awesome. I'm very particular. A lot of people don't understand me or get me. So I don't have, you know, the friends that I have are life, lifelong friends. Yeah. But I'm kind of a weirdo. So. That's kind of what we get to on this podcast. <laughs> but that's a huge thing, though. Like, yeah. if you can trace back. The reason why you react a certain way to cleanliness or order in your life to your father coming to school and standing in the doorway and, you know, making you go through the desk. That's that's big. I think that's probably more than a lot of people understand about why they react the way they do to things. Yeah, it was like public shaming. You know, it was like, oh, my God, all these kids, they know that's my dad. And my dad was huge. And how old were you when this happened? What grade? I think second grade, second grade, third grade. Because second grade is probably the one where they, that's the first time when you really get, you can really get in trouble. Yeah. Because first grade, you're still just a little, a yeah. little crazy person. But I, you know, and we were maniacs in life in general. I had two older brothers that were much older and much bigger than me that used to beat the shit out of me. And, you know, we had a good time. 
we did that make listened. you did that were you big compared to other kids at school yeah to kids your age so yeah. you and and then you had older bigger kids messing with you all the time so you probably could totally take care of yourself in school yeah i know i don't think i ever had a problem i, I never really gotten i got in one fight i think when you were in grade school before you came no it was in high school when okay. i was 13 oh uh, we'll but, get to that yeah <laughs> that's important <laughs> <laughs> that's that will probably be very important but you didn't you didn't fight in grade school no what about girls uh i remember i had a crush on my next door neighbor you had a crush on your next door neighbor yeah. when you were in grade school uh yeah so they lived they were um right across the street from us and then brett van horn lived has been on this podcast and <laughs> yeah. mentioned you in that yeah. we figured out i had never known this that you guys were i grew up with brett in bellingham well it, high school Junior high and high school, but you grew up with him in grade school age down in Portland. Yeah, and I, I still I, we have to have a conversation with him because I have no idea when I figured out that I knew him from my neighborhood in the punk rock world. But yeah, he was my neighbor. I think he was more friends with my brother. But we, you know, when you're in a neighborhood, you play with everybody and you have a good time. And yeah, but yeah, I was a little little weirdo. Okay, so. I was asking though. You said you had a, you had a crush on the on the neighbor girl. Yeah, but you didn't have like girlfriends in school. No, I always wonder when because different different people that starts at different times. You yeah. know, and sometimes that can be the key to their story too. Yeah. You know? Well, it was funny. Her name is Erica, so it was Eric and Erica. Did that uh, did that have any influence on you for why you why you you had a crush on her? No, not at all. You weren't associating no. the name with your name or something. No, we were at the we were I think we were the exact same age, and you know you're figuring out stuff in life sure no well i went to grade school with bill baker yeah and there were two girls whose last name was baker and so he always acted like he had a crush on them <laughs> even though i think it just drove them crazy of course but he would always say like ah, oh, yeah uh, one wouldn't have to change your name and the other one would just have to change one letter or something oh. he was like a total lunatic <laughs> i don't know if he remembers that story young, <clears throat> young polygamy young poly well he didn't he probably understood that but he probably knew we were all too dumb to, if he even yeah. brought that up, you know, because Bill was kind of advanced. Yeah. But no, he never, he never talked about both at the same time. Yeah. That would have been bold for a four, you know, fourth grader. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So is, uh, before we move you out of Portland, is there anything else you remember about those years that you think is, uh, important? Did you listen to music back then? Were you a, yeah. So, uh, my, so my older brother, Tim is 11 years older than me and we had this big console stereo. And uh, I just remember in the summertime, he played bass and he had a big Ampeg SVT, you know, eight speaker cabinet. And he'd fucking open the front door and turn the stereo on full blast and turn his amp up. So you'd be three blocks away and you could hear him playing. <laughs> so too. the neighbors loved him. Yeah. So I grew up on Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix. You grew up on him playing those or playing along to it? Both. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I read... Uh, that the autobiography of Jim Morrison, no one here gets out alive probably when I was like seven. Oh wow. Or eight. And then I have a cousin and he was into music. Um, he was kind of ahead of his time. I think like he's always been pretty good, you know, like he knows what's happening in the world. He speaks four or five languages. He's a smart dude too. And, uh, he was into the talking heads and ACDC who was like the first love of my life ever. ACDC uh, was your first. Yeah. Bon Scott. After Bon Scott, ACDC sucks. Ah. Um, Metallica should have broken up after Cliff Burton died. You know, there's certain things that are atrocities that just continue. <laughs> but ACDC was my first love, definitely. And how old do you think when you first heard ACDC? 
Oh, probably like five or six. Okay. Like, right. given that you and I are pretty close in age, that was still close to their beginning, wasn't it? Well, I was born in 74 and Jailbreak came out in 74. Oh, okay. All right. So they had so been, been around for a while. Yeah. And they, they, a lot of people don't know this, but they had a singer before Bon Scott that they actually did stuff with. I don't think they put out any records, but so they, ACDC has been a band for a really long time. Right. Oh, and then, so the other thing, and I think this is how I got into being a drummer was my mom used to play Johnny Mathis at Christmas and I was always the little drummer boy. So, so you were the little drummer boy? Yeah, and she would say that, are you going to be my little drummer boy? And I'd be like, fuck yeah. You know, like four years old, not, obviously not using that language <laughs> yet. But I would play that song. I'm kind of a weirdo. Like I, I will play a song over and over again if I really like it. So I play that song and get the you know the pots and pans out. And So my... you were drumming on pots and pans to your mom's Johnny Mathis. Yeah. When you were how, four years old? Yeah, I was young. All right. That makes some sense. Yeah. And I actually, I didn't start on a drum kit. I think my parents got us, this is later when we moved to Seattle, but they bought us each a guitar for Christmas and someone broke mine, which I was super pissed about. Do you know who? I think it was my brother, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> but you know, when you're that age, you have no idea, but I started, they're like, well, we've already got a bass player and we've got a guitar player. You need to play drums. And I was like, okay. So I started, I had all these industrial buckets that my dad probably had from work or whatever. And I put different amounts of newspaper in them to make them sound different. And I had a real trash can lid for my cymbal. And I started to play. And how old were you? 11 or 12. 11 or 12. Because I bought my first drum set at 13. Okay. So. So this is after you moved to Seattle. Yes. Okay. You did, that wasn't, that wasn't a, a Portland story. No. But that's, imp- so you, you had a, a trash can and bucket uh, drum set. Yeah. And you would alter the sounds of the buckets by putting different amounts of newspaper, That's which awesome. was ubiquitous for me because I was a paper boy. So I had as much paper. as You, you just use the word ubiquitous. Like yeah. people know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to which think, which is awesome. Yeah. I like to think somebody knows that word besides Soto. Yeah. Just try to throw in the word atavistic while we're at it. Just so people could go running off to the dictionary <laughs> while they're listening. I haven't heard. Can you spell that? Put it, use it in a sentence. Atavistic. I'm just uh, kidding. I can do all those things, <laughs> but I only know it because uh, Hunter Thompson liked that word a lot. Oh, okay. And it's a hard Thank one. Thank God understand. for bad religion. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. You see what I did there? Thank God for bad religion. Yes. You did a good job. Yeah. They, I knew there was a reason you were here today. <laughs> Besides the crazy bread. And it wasn't just the crazy bread, which <laughs> is actually starting to look good. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's move you then. Okay. Let's move. So you, you get uprooted and moved to Seattle from Portland. Did your whole family come? No. So my mom had, is one of nine children. So all our family was there or in Wisconsin. So it was, it was weird and it took a little while, but I, you know, fuck when you're a kid, you're young and resilient and nothing hurts. I, I found new friends right away. Okay. Um, you know, and I was interested in other shit. You know, I was on my bicycle 24 hours a day. Never had a curfew. Okay. As long as, as, long as I didn't get in trouble, I was fine. Nine years old. You're in the Seattle area now. Yeah. Are you, were you in Seattle or did you start up north? Because Mount Lake Terrace is like 10 miles. 17. North. Mount Lake Terrace is 17 miles north of Seattle? I believe. North of the city. Maybe 14. Whatever. Anyway. Hey, people. So Mount Lake Terrace is a ways outside of Seattle to the north on (laughs) I-5. Suburbs. Um, 
the suburbs. And uh, were you in Seattle proper or were you up here? No, we moved from downtown. Uh, we lived in Beaverton, Oregon. And we moved from Beaverton to Mount Lake Terrace. Okay. But, well, so that makes a little more sense that... that because it's a little more rural and out there. Yeah. The idea that you'd let a kid go off on his bike. Yeah. I would have been impressed if you were just right in Seattle and nine years old. And yeah, just take off on your bike. Go do whatever you want. Although, given that this is what, the early 80s we're talking about here? Yeah. 84. Yeah. That, I mean. My mom actually let me. I did me, that sort of thing. So. I, w- I went to my first concert when I was nine years old and it was Kiss and Queensryche. Well, this is one of the questions. Yeah. Kiss and Queensryche? Where? And, uh, I don't know. Somewhere. Seattle? Yeah, in Seattle. Okay. But. Because my brother got to go, who was, if I was... Queensryche yeah. was the local band opening for Kiss? Yeah. Okay. So my brother got to go, which I was like, well, fuck, if he gets to go, I get to go. So she let me, and that was cool, because uh, I, I think I did like Kiss at the time. Um, well, uh, was the makeup off? Yeah. Okay. So I think it was like actually... Animalize or animalize. something? I think it was their first tour without the makeup. That would be Lick It Up. Oh. Thank you. That's yeah, why Soto's again. here. Yeah. You said you were going to need him for some memory stuff. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. But, you know, that's music has always been a part of my life in one form or another. So, you know, when I finally got to go see a band play that I I knew their songs, I was like, fuck, this is what I want to do. What do you remember from that night? Where were you in the crowd? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I can't remember that. I remember where we were at when I saw Metallica for the first time. How much? How much further down the line was that? Uh, that would have been like 87 All right. or 88. Was that with the Colt? I don't remember. The Justice that. Tour? Maybe. Seattle Coliseum? That was 80. Wait, so the first time you saw Metallica, Cliff was already dead? No, he was alive. Oh. Okay. Yeah, never mind. That was earlier than... Oh, wait. Cliff died. No, no, no. No, sorry. Yes, Cliff was dead because he okay. died in 1986. Yeah. I was at that show. It was the Colt. It was two nights in a row, I think. The Colt, Metallica. I went, I went for that for the 16th birthday. That was my... Oh, it might have been freshman year of high school. Well, if when it was the cult with Metallica, that was the Sonic Temple tour for the cult. Yeah, yeah. But they they did and it justice, opening for and justice for Metallica. Okay. Yeah, that, that was, was the Seattle I could Pop- be wrong about that, but Seattle I do Coliseum think I'm right. Yeah. Before it was Key Arena. Yeah, I remember getting mixed results about the cult on that tour. Oh, I love them. They were great. Yeah, they were killer. That record, the first couple records are awesome. I love the first the cult. couple cult records. Yeah, some of my favorite. Absolutely. That's so good. I'm glad yeah. well, I'm, I'm glad we're all in agreement about the cult. Yeah, they were a great band. Okay. So, you started going to school, and you went to school with Kirby. Yeah, I met Kirby. I think Kirby was the first one of my little group that I met, and we weren't friends until middle school. Right. So, you came, you came here, and you did what? Just fifth grade? No, I think I did fourth, fifth, and sixth. Oh, so the, okay. So, was middle school seventh and eighth? Because we played, we went up to fifth in Bellingham, so I always get confused when people's other like have a little bit different structures, yeah. Because you know, the world revolves around me, and only my experience makes any sense to me. So, um, so you did fourth, fifth, and sixth before you went up to middle school, yeah. And then we played Kirby and I played uh, little league softball together, and that's when I was like, you know, we both loved ACDC, and I was like, dude, we're running laps around the, the playground, and we were both kind of jocks in a mm-hmm. weird way because we're total little punk rockers, but we also like to play sports. Right. And Wait, so you were both listening to punk rock at that time, too? Well, we were starting to, I think. I think seventh grade was when I heard the Circle Jerks. Was that the first thing? Uh, who no. brought you Who brought you punk rock for the first time? 
I don't know. Because I don't think I met you until ninth grade, right? So, so just think about some of those bands. It's gonna be it's gonna be the staple. That's always it's gonna <laughs> it's staple. gonna be the one that it always <laughs> let's, is. Let's see if he says it. Think about it. Think of all the bands that you were really into at the time. I'm lost. Just name bands. There was a well, circle jerks. Who else? Minor Threat. And keep going. Uh, Dead Kennedys. Uh, There's a lot of crossover bands. Dri. <laughs> Dri. Yes. Was that possibly the first one you heard? I kind of uh. coerced that one. <laughs> you did, did. I was about. I was almost actually about to do the do the thing. Well, everybody a lot a lot of people bring up dri as an early band because for whatever reason in our age group it seems like a lot of people that were got into metal right if you came in through metal it seems like dri and skateboarding was the thing that gets you into punk rock but there was also there was a cryptic slaughter it's a huge huge uh the accused to me locally yeah because that's like they were speed metal or thrash metal or whatever but they you know i always felt like they were like tommy was always wearing thrasher shorts and you know they were metal, but they were punk rock. Yeah, I believe they were me. splatter core. Splatter core. Splatter yes. rock. <laughs> is splatter yeah, rock? Splatter is that rock, what it was? Yeah. Not core. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fuck. someone. So the point is though, someone had to expose you to it. I think it was Matt Kleeman, RKL. Oh, that's rich kids on LSD. Oh, yeah. I think so. There's a kid that lived in my neighborhood, and Zach Aubrey, Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think was friends with him and he was a total weirdo. Um, not Isaac, but Matt. And, I remember uh, Matt now. Yeah. yeah. I believe I bought an RKL double LP off of him. Just, he just had an LP at school. No, I think I got it from him cause he lived right by the Seven Eleven in our neighborhood. And I always had money cause I had a paper route mm-hmm. and he was probably trying to get money to buy drugs. How old were you? We were kids. Yeah. But, but he kids was... could be 14 or kids could be 10. 11. Okay. 12. So you've got paper route money burning a hole in your pocket. He's got an RKL double LP that he wants to exchange for pop money. Yeah. The greatest hits. <laughs> greatest hits. Okay. Yeah, RKL, the greatest hits. And you didn't know any punk rock, but you thought that looks cool. Well, actually you guys missed the biggest crossover band in the history of the world. What? Probably the misfits. You'd already listened to the misfits. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. But where did you hear them? You, all you had to do is look at Cliff Burton's arm and his t-shirt every night. Okay, so you went, you were in love with Metallica, and you yeah. knew about the Misfits because of Metallica. Metallica. And that was actually the and first. And so you sought them out. That was the first punk rock record I bought. I bought the total ripoff, Die, 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 My Darling, three song, 12-inch <laughs> mm-hmm. EP. And I'm like, really? Three songs? I own it. I got it right back there. So <laughs> that, I believe, was my first punk record that I bought. Where? Uh, probably not Fallout, unfortunately, because I believe... Cellophane Square? It might have been one of those. I don't remember because I believe Kirby's older sister was the one that took us to the Metallica show. Okay. And um, so her and her boyfriend took us all and we went record shopping and we got flyers. I remember getting like a Bad Brains flyer with uh, who? Leeway. Played, Bad Brains and Leeway? Played in Seattle awesome. around that time and I got the flyer and like, you know, my room was covered in flyers and posters like every little punk rock kid was, but... It was just cool to to finally like to go see a show from something that changed your world and your your you know everything about your life and buying records and stuff and you're like fucking awesome I loved it absolutely good shit and so you think Misfits was the first thing yeah I, I would you know because I, I I love all kinds of the classic stuff because I grew up with my brothers 
But then my closest brother, Kelly, became a super major pothead druggie. And he was this massive dude. He was like 6'6". So he used to beat the shit out of me. But he (laughs) got a friend. Well, yeah. But he got super into speed metal. So he, you know, Anthrax, uh, uh, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, all that stuff. I actually, I remember buying the first Megadeth record too. I was with Kirby somewhere and I bought that record. Uh, Killing is my business, right? Yeah. So I don't remember if that was the one. I remember when a bunch of my friends got into this band Megadeth though. Yeah. It had a skull, like a real human skull on it. (laughs) Not the fake one. In my opinion, their best record. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave Mustaine was all butthurt about uh, the Four Horsemen, so he wrote Mechanics, yeah. yep. which was a total ripoff of the Metallica song well, he wrote. It was another version of the same song he wrote. Yeah. Well. yeah I don't know if it was a ripoff, but yeah. But it would have been more classy to not even do that. But. Yeah. So he hadn't had the idea to sing back and forth to himself yet? In <laughs> no. different voices? Oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> Remember when it was on Beavis and Bud and you couldn't tell which one was Beavis and which one was... <laughs> Which one was Dave Mustaine? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I could, you can differentiate Beavis or, or, or Mustaine. No. Awesome. I hope I can find that clip online. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And I don't think that was the intention at all. Either. Hello, me? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, fuck, my mind's blown. <laughs> I just remember when Quicksand was on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, dude. That's when they made it. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. it was great. Like Quicksand made it. You're on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, yeah, shit. that reminds me of but they were making fun of him. Then. Yeah, that reminds me of meeting Zach De La Roca. Yep. I told <laughs> this story. You did? Yeah. Remember uh, Fallout Records he came in. He's like, you cover inside out and blah, blah, blah. And then we went and saw Beavis and Butthead. No, he so he, he was in oh, town. I don't know that I know this story. He was friends with Greg Anderson because <clears throat> yeah. Greg being mm-hmm. in some of those bands down there. And uh, Rage Against the Machine was in town to play. Mm hmm. And we were in Seattle to Fallout. go. We're in Fallout Records. Yeah, but so we were going to downtown to see the Mike and Ike's Sick and Twisted Film Festival. Okay. No, no, so, no, no. We no, we were gonna go down to the Vogue or something like no, that. We were, no, what? no, no, we no, no. We were, didn't have any intention on going to that festival. Yeah. This is why you're oh, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mike and Ike's Twisted Animation Festival. Yeah. Spike and Mike's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Mike, Mike and Mike Ike's the candy. Whatever. Close enough. The candy. Mike, we the get candy there. festival. Okay. So yeah. So we're downtown. <laughs> There's a candy festival I know about. Kids it. and candy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we're <laughs> and, in Fallout. Yeah. So we go down and like, let's go to Fallout. We're looking at records. And Greg Anderson is with Zach. He said, "Oh, there's a couple little hardcore kids in there. They love your band. They cover uh, No Spiritual Surrender, Burning Fight. Yeah, whatever. Dick. <laughs> and uh, so Zach comes in, and I'm like flipping through, probably Agnostic Front or you know, Bad Brains or something." looking for a record that I couldn't afford. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Zach. And I'm like shitting in my pants and about to cry. And I think he went up to Soto first. Yeah. He goes, are you Soto? And I go, yeah. And I didn't, I hadn't seen Zach with his dreads. So you didn't so know didn't who know it was? Just some he's guy. Like, I'm Zach De- he goes, I'm Zach De La Roca from Inside Out. I heard you cover one of our songs. I'm thinking, oh, we're getting sued. <laughs> he's always, and I was just waiting for papers to get served. You just thought it was, it was bad, right? Yeah. Soto's yeah. always been a businessman. Yeah, you know. I'm getting sued. So, <laughs> I'm Greek. But I actually I said, What the fuck are you doing here? And how do you know who I am? And he goes, I'm with Greg Anderson, he's outside in the car. Oh, I, we're in funny. town opening up for public enemy. I'm like, oh, what wow. the fuck? Yeah. 
He goes, what are you guys doing? And we're like, nothing. He's like, go with us to the Sick and Twisted Animation Film Festival. Oh, yes. And, and we saw the in. premiere of Beavis and Butthead. Oh, with, that's killer. With Zach De La Roca and the rest of Inside Out, or uh, Rage Against the Machine. And the dude. I think it was the drummer. awesome. The drummer or the bass player. They were all there. And no, then, but it, remember we were sitting at the very back up at the top of the amphitheater. Yeah. And one Zach. of them was like, no, was it, it was Zach? Zach? It was oh. Zach through the apple. There's a guy on MC on stage talking, and he fucking chucked an apple down, <laughs> like from like from all the way back of the theater. And it could have beamed somebody so hard. <laughs> it was uh, very irresponsible. Very irresponsible. Yes, I remember people throwing things at shows yeah. and me being so. annoyed about it. <laughs> but I was like, it wasn't me. For the first time in my life, it wasn't me being the bad kid. I got hit by a half bag of bread. Which you wouldn't think would be bad, right? No, it's dense. But if you don't know it's coming, like, you know, well, it, sometimes it's got seeds in it and stuff, right? But I was turning my head. We were at a Rocky Horror Picture Show in Bellingham. It was like the third time I'd seen it. And someone, and everybody was just having a massive food fight. And so I turned my head to look at somebody. And right as I turned, this half bag of bread just hit me right in the, right in the face. Almost took my eye out. Is it crazy bread? Kind of ruined. <laughs> it wasn't crazy bread. Whoa. Ruined my whole night, man. I bet. Throwing shit. Yeah, that's okay. cool. I whipped a lot of stuff at people myself at that, though. So what are you going to do? Yeah. It's a food fight. Payback's a bitch. I don't know who threw the bread. Got a little off topic <laughs> with the uh, Inside Out story. That's okay. Yeah. That's that's what we came to talk <laughs> yeah. about. That is some of the stuff we came chairs. to talk about. You were a little bit older that's at that story. point, though. You'd already met this guy because you were with him. Yeah, no, I think I was 17. Yeah? When we met? Yeah. No. When that happened? When that happened. Oh. Yeah, so. We're going back. I remember this guy was kind of an asshole. I had just moved to Mountain Terrace from Seattle. So, how old were you? Sixteen. He was how always. Was, how old were you? Well, you both the same age. I met him freshman year, and I was thirteen when I. Started I mean, I didn't talk to you until later. I so didn't you're, talk you're to a anybody. couple years older than him. I didn't talk to anybody in school though. That's yeah, he's to two be years. Fair, to be okay. fair, but he was a dick to me. <clears throat> I hated he was... school. I, all my friends were out of school. I didn't talk to anybody in class. Soto would wear gray sweatpants <laughs> with a yellow pair of cutoff sweatpants. I believe, and we used to, we, I have discussed this with people before, back in the day when we first started coming down to Seattle, you were the guy who would play a show in a pair of sweatpants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I have pictures it was, of it. It was my, it was my anti-fashion sentiments <laughs> against the, society. Something that always trips me out is that uh, whenever someone plays a show in sweatpants it gets remembered forever like there's a strain story from i, I wish <laughs> from california I, I wish i knew that then i really did because you've been answering for the sweatpants <laughs> transgression your whole life haven't you because well, here's the thing i came from like a really cool like what, what i thought was cool uh-huh. you know like my jeans had to have the right holes in the knees <laughs> denim jacket to like fuck society fuck all that shit getting into shelter you know Photograph oh, slide. No, Photograph no. slide. <laughs> hey, that was, but that was that was that was the mental path. That no, was my no. mental path. You, so you were influenced an, by anti-materialism. No, 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 no. But he, that was he's was off anti- his rocker right now because <laughs> that stuff all came later. Yeah, but it was an anti-materialism thing. That was I was, I was, I was definitely 16. into like anti. No, no. This is good though. This is good though because that's what I'm talking about. Like a lot of the stuff <sighs> gets kind of compacted. We yeah. will think of like four or five years as being like. All in the same era. It's like, yeah. but no, there's, no. especially when you're that age, that's a lifetime. A year is a decade. Back so then. Yeah. freshman year, I remember meeting him or seeing him around school. He would wear yellow cutoff shorts. It's green. Whatever. <laughs> over his, his gray sweatpants. Go. Oh, then shorts wear... over sweatpants is a little bit more acceptable. But they were both sweatpants okay. at one point. <laughs> Ah, sweatpants shorts over long sweatpants. Yeah, so he cut off a pair of 
So he had shorts. That is that then, is awesome. Then a hooded sweatshirt mm-hmm. with a leather jacket that had the minor threat bottle violence mm-hmm. logo. In nice. Christ on the Crutch. In Christ on the Crutch. What else? And uh, yellow or green Converse. So you were you were warm and comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I think I got my. I would buy sweats at like the ninety nine cent store, and I would wear them out so bad that I would just take the good pair, cut them off, put them over. Yeah, because I didn't want all green sweats. Sure, no, you need right. some. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> did so... you ever? Did you ever get like writ dye and dye your sweats another color? No, I don't think so. No. I, I was on this huge anti-materialism thing. So it you weren't going to change. Terrible, color. but that was, was completely materialistic. I, but that stupid. was totally before yeah. shelter. I was finding myself. Yeah, but I was seeing that that path was that's. Yeah, he, you were you yeah. were on that path. I, I like shelter, shelter because of that. because you already had that in you. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, and then and, and shelter is a bad example, by the way. I'm just saying <laughs> they, they had a couple songs that I adapted to or that I related to. Is all I'm but saying. So. I think that first record when it came out was amazing. Oh, listen, killer. that first seven inch yeah. and that first LP, yeah. Serenagati, are great records. Yeah. You just named the thing I hate the most, though. Yeah. <laughs> my so my free will. Uh, good, it, yeah. They're great songs, but the thing is that Serenagati is a prayer. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a prayer. Mm-hmm. And when they played in Bellingham, all my friends were we were all having fun watching it. And then I just kind of stopped while they were playing that song yeah. and sat in the back of that garage. And all my friends were singing along to a prayer, prayer. to Krishna. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I think I'm done with this. I think yeah. this is where I'm going to have to step away from any kind of religion and hardcore. And uh, some people Which say I've been an asshole yeah. ever since because yeah, I don't like it. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, but to me, it was there was, <laughs> but it was there was good. something in that. Well, to me, there was there, there was a little bit of a revolt with that, that made sense to me where I was. Hey, you know, everybody's. I liked the the messages in their songs, mm-hmm. except for the fact that they the were religion. talking about a, a blue magic person. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's problematic for me. Who and can multitask. Come on. I mean, that's <laughs> talk about unrealistic. And I don't know if photographs lie. Yeah, it's true. That's a metaphor. It, Photographs lies is, is is come on. Today that would be called a millennialism. A, mil- a millennialism. <laughs> it's overthought, taken to the extreme. Like I think about it right now, so it must be a thing. Oh, <laughs> that's I don't know. And I'm going to shame that's, you all into believing yeah, exactly right. <laughs> as I do, like straight edge. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really thought this through for a decade or so, but I know it right now, so it's a fact. That actually brings up an interesting topic for me. Uh, the straight edge. Yeah. Well, oh, well, that was, believe me, that's on the list, sir. Well, so I just remember being a little punk rocker that was also straight edge, but like, and I, but how did you know about it? He, it's your friends at school and you get into, you know, I, I saw both my brothers struggle with drugs bad. So I was like, fuck that shit. Okay. But I remember being with Kirby and my friend John and like trying to steal beer and, you know, like, you know, trying to be a bad kid. And I was like, this tastes like shit. Now I love it. But at that point I hated it. But so the thing that I loved about being a kid growing up when we did before the internet and all the cell phones and bullshit, we actually went to shows and paid attention. But I, so there was another band I was in called outright that were from Everett and they were a straight up like hardcore punk band. Mm -hmm. And they, I feel like they all drank and they all smoked and they might have done drugs. I don't know. I don't remember. I was 15. But I was straight edge. 
but half my friends did drugs. And I was like, I'm not going to judge you. Don't judge me. Yeah. And that's how I've been my whole life. Yeah. We didn't have enough people back then where you could just only hang out with straight people. Well, yeah. The scene wasn't big enough. Yeah. So you had to put up with people. Which which was better, which I think was better because those are life skills you need. Yeah. And that's the point I'm making. Like, I feel like I can't relate to straight edge at all as a movement anymore. And when I see kids at shows that all look exactly the same and they're like, I'm perfect. I'm living my dream. I'm better than you because I don't do drugs. I'm like, really? Live a little, you know, have a little empathy for other people. And like, it's so you say to them the same things that dudes said to you. Well, no, that guy was in my face saying, fucking judge t shirt. What guy? Week shoot. The, uh, we cut that part out. (laughs) (laughs) You were supposed to retell the story. Well, the guy from, yeah, so we're at a, we're at Greedy Greg's house. The Blue House. The Blue House. Yeah. Yeah. And the singer for Jesters of Chaos, which was a fairly, you know, in my mind, that was a huge band to me. You know, they'd play in front of 50 people at the party hall. <laughs> they were just killer. And he comes up to me because he's a punk rocker and he's like, fucking judge. Because I'm wearing my judge t-shirt. The one day I did laundry and had my Gorilla Biscuits t-shirt at home. And he was like, that's fucking weak shit. And I was like, fuck that. They're fucking awesome. And I love your band too. And it just blew him out of the water because he's like, what? I'm supposed to hate you and you're supposed to hate me punks and fucking, you know, skins and hardcore kids don't get along. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> not how we are. Cause I had, you know, we were definitely anti-skin, you know, well, anti-Nazi. Anti- well, yeah. Anti-racist. Yeah. You're wearing an agnostic front t-shirt. It says skinhead at the bottom. <laughs> I know <laughs> right now, but well, we know what you mean. Today, you have to clarify that. Back yeah, then, you didn't the Metzger Triangle it. was bad. Yep, and yep. kids would get the shit. You'd get the shit beat out of you in the show by the white Nazis. Then you'd go outside to the liquor store, and the black kids in the neighborhood would beat the shit out of you. So you're like, what the fuck? Leave me alone, you know? But uh, I, I loved being a kid in that time and playing music and having friends that were different. Everybody right. was always a little bit weird in their own way, and they still are, you know, when I come home and see my friends. This guy right here is so weird, but I love him. <laughs> All right. So I want to clarify a couple things. Okay. There had to be a day when you decided you were straight edge. Well, yeah. So what I, was the day? I don't remember that, but I just remember we went and saw resolution play mm-hmm. and I'd heard of brotherhood, but I don't think I'd ever, I don't know if I'd even heard him, but you know, it's like before all the stuff that kids have today, you actually had to go find stuff and seek it out. So this kid Soto always had like he had the original minor threat uh seven inches so and I loved uniform choice and stuff like that but I remember going to see uh resolution it was their first show who else played I think like 18 helicopters like a bunch of like non-hardcore bands but I just Seattle bands also like maybe aspirin feast yeah aspirin feast yeah um, but I just remember seeing this group of kids <clears throat> walking down the street and it was Ron. It was, uh, the drummer. What's his name? Uh, Vic, Vic. Victor. Yeah. yeah. Um, the guy, the goofy guy that went on to play in sunny day real estate. Nate Mendel. No, what? Nate's cool. Yeah. I was like, why are you calling him goofy? For no, me? the, the guitar player. Oh, what the fuck is his name? Dan. Yeah. Dan. Dan. Yeah. yeah. Dan yeah. was a sunny day. Yeah. 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 So, that's right, yeah. uh, and then the, so under- the guys were all hanging. Yeah. Brian and the, Bauer and the undertow kids. Yeah. I'm like, who are these guys? And that, you know, it was intimidating because we didn't know them 
and they were all like, we're already all, and they're all decked out in their gear. Yeah, and they were already like, we're we're like a unit. So I'm I've always been an outsider, but at least I had probably Kirby and Soto there. But we, you know, I felt like kind of out of the loop. But they were always cool to us, and like, you know, when you get new people coming into a scene, they were really cool. But it was still intimidating. But I don't know the exact moment when I was like, I'm straight edge. But it probably would have been about 16 or 15. Do you remember the first time you put X's on your hands? Mm, it probably was an undertow show. Yeah. I brought bingo daubers, as a matter of fact. And we X'd up a bingo <laughs> daubers. I remember that. And Mark Holcomb did it too and was pissed because he went to bed with his hands like this. And woke up with a big fat fucking X on his face. <laughs> I can't wait till I get Mark on the show. I got to remember to ask him about that. Yeah, I brought bingo dobbers. They ruined everybody's day. But they looked killer. They were huge and fat. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. No con- no construction gloves. Which which no show was that? Was the dauber show? It was, was a party hall show. Party hall? I don't remember. It wasn't that first. It might have been an outright face first show. Yeah. I saw I saw it right where you, face where first. Where you pulled double duty. That was, that was the one cool thing for me as a drummer. I played so much. Yeah. People needed you day. bad. And you were a good drummer. Well, that's the thing. Like, I wasn't a good drummer, but I played every fucking day of my life from 13 to, like... Do you think you weren't a good drummer? Because I think most people thought you were a good drummer. Well, if you have guys like um, the Slayer Hippie and uh, Eric from Christ on a Crutch and guys like that playing, and you go see them play, I didn't think... I didn't consider myself a good drummer. But you can bet your ass I fucking watched them play and stole as much shit as I could... Especially the Slayer Hippie. You are the only drummer that I've ever been at shows and seen people just there to watch you. Weird. And that was an experience I had uh, twice. And I think both times it was at the Velvet Elvis. But I remember I remember people not, like a couple of women that I knew, <laughs> not being into the band. They were just standing outside <laughs> watching you drum. And I was like, oh, it's that drummer thing. Shit. But... Yeah, you were a, you were a sight to behold. So I, I I get it. Like some people like, you know, cue in on the drummers, but well, that was a good place to see a band because if you wanted to focus on the drummer, you could walk behind the band while they're playing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I look at those photos and I'm like, there's people behind our amps watching us play or watching Undertow or Wool or whatever any band that played there. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the way you want to see a band because we were we were on the stage, but everybody was a part of it. Yeah. And the stage was a living thing where you could get, and it wasn't like about, you know, the glory shot where everyone's pointing up to rave today. Like, yeah, but it was a very intimate. We didn't get a lot of that. There was an undertow show at the Velvet Elvis that has a little bit of that element to it. Some, there's some great photos from that, Yeah, but it's still, the Velvet Elvis wasn't conducive to that because it wasn't a raised uh, stage yeah. at yeah, all. You were like right? two feet up. That stuff was happening at like Ground Zero, the Redmond Y. Yeah. It wasn't really happening in Seattle. It was a different element. Like once that East Side element came into it, it was completely different. It's good, but it was completely different. Yes, and these it are the went, regions yeah. of these are the regions of our area here where we're all yeah. from. Basically the east side <clears throat> is separated from Seattle by Lake Washington, which is like a long thin lake essentially, and there's cities on the other side. And for a while um, those were kind of like different scenes. And then in the mid nineties, we all kind of merged because yeah. for a while you had to leave Seattle to do, to do a lot of the bigger all ages shows because yeah, they were ages. illegal in Seattle because yeah. there was a teen dance ordinance. Party hall was very different than the Redmond Y. 
Party like, hall was a scummy <laughs> little scummy little rental hall where with with mattresses leaning up against the side. It was a hair salon. Oh, was it? By day. Oh my god, I did not know that. Yeah, I don't remember that. It was probably they, no, they had a pool table. Just someone also used it to cut hair during the day because it was probably their yeah, bootleg yeah. hair pop up hair place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and they said, "Don't touch them. Don't lean against the mattresses, or you'll get scabies." Well, Do you remember then, that? Yeah, and I just remember everybody's shoes turned red. Yep. Do you remember that? Everybody had the red shoes because the, the tile, the yeah. all the condensation and sweat got on the floor, and the <clears throat> those were terracotta tiles from somewhere not made well <laughs> just walked over to dino's on the corner gave him 75 bucks he'd give you the key and then you had a space yeah yeah so yeah probably yeah. someone threw someone in a chair in there cut some hair during the day why not 21st of madison it's still they still haven't built on that space but it's torn down right yeah it's torn yeah. down i mean before it was torn down it turned into the original twilight exit yep and then it or no it was a law firm then the twilight exit oh Really? There was a law firm in well, between? you know, it was... Wow. Pop-up law firm? The CD. I mean, it was like, you know... I mean, it's... It was a CD when the CD was still the CD. Ungentrified, you yeah. know? Yeah. So Central like, District here. But... That was a sketchy... Look, that was a sketchy corner. Oh, yeah. You, Stuff yeah, went down couldn't... sometimes. You go to a show there. Now it's... The last show... That was the a last show because there. of the shooting. Yeah. Born well, Against. Uh, Born Against, yeah. Rorschach, and Downcast. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't make that one. I didn't make up to Bellingham for that one. Or down from Bellingham for that, but there was yeah, a shooting that, outside. That right? crazy guy. That was what ended the shows? There was a drive-by shooting. Well, no, I thought that. No big one got guy... shot though. They just shot up in the air, right? Shot through the windows. Everybody was on the ground. Oh, is that right? Wasn't right. it that guy? I can't remember his name, but he went outside because somebody had beat some some yeah. of the kids from the show up. So, some kid from the show went to go to the corner store and it, it got beat it, up. He got jumped, and then that it, happened it, a few times. Well, yeah. there's a guy. I can't remember his name. He was really big, and he always had crazy hair. And yeah, talking about Oren, are you? Yeah, I think he won. Oren's responsible for so much. He he, <laughs> he passed away. He was awesome. Uh, I think Ron was, knows a lot about Oren. He yeah. was killed in a car accident, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. But yeah. I I I could remember. Sometimes hang out there, like when Jawbreaker played, we interviewed them. Uh, I didn't we think went, they played at the Washington. They played, they played somewhere at, else. No, they played at Party Hall. First tour, unfun. Wait, who? I thought it was down Jawbreaker. the street. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. they played Party Hall. Yeah, they played. I got photos with Econo Christ. Brother man, this is a this is actually a. An entire set of negatives from in the party hall oh, wow. for Jawbreaker. I'm oh, going to wow. put those all up on my site that I took yeah. at that show. The Jawbreaker show you're thinking of with the Con Christ that was at the Barricades, Columbia City, which yeah. is now <sighs> Columbia City Theater. Oh, I think, okay. I think, if I remember right. Yeah, the Barricades. Wait, with the Con Christ and Sunny Day Real Estate? It was Chewbacca Sunny Day Real Estate as, yeah. Chewbacca Kaboom. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. And that was <laughs> probably one of... Two Jawbreaker shows that 1007 didn't play with Jawbreaker. I don't know. Yeah, like we played 13. every show. Yeah, there was like two that 1007 didn't play or something like that. When yeah, yeah. when they played that party hall show, we just they had their van parked around back, like the alley around back. And so we just sat out there after the show and interviewed them in that neighborhood, just chilling out. You know, I always felt fine there, but it yeah, seemed like it everybody nice. else I knew got jumped or tacked oh. or there was some shit that went down. It was Yeah, there was a lot of shit happening back then. All right. <clears throat> So you don't know, you don't know the date that you claimed Edge. No, but you I don't know who got you into the first thing that made you go, yes, straight Edge, that's me. Oh, well, it would have been Minor Threat. Minor Threat? Yeah, and I remember Kirby gave me a hard time because I, I was 16 and I had a lot of uh, you know, stuff going through your body where you're like, I want to have sex really, really bad. <laughs> and he's, you know, Kirby's like, 
if you're straight edge, you can't have sex. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know many people up here that actually adhere to that yeah. one. That, that seemed well, to be a I real mean, alternate. And if like, you did, you were lying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. So <laughs> he was like, he was kind of giving me a hard time about it. I remember that at the time. So I was about 15 or 16 when I was finally like, yeah, I'm fucking straight edge and I'm going to get laid someday. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> But we don't have to go into that on this podcast. No. Okay, good. Unless you want. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Anyway, if no. you <laughs> offer, I'll listen. No, but I, I'm not going to ask you that virgin. question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still open. Awesome. Okay. Because um, some people like really know the day, you know? Like, Oh, I a, do. But yeah. I just remember Kirby giving me a hard time. And his whole thing was. I don't really know the day for straight edge. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. But I, I don't know the date. I just remember him giving me a hard time, and I was like, kind of like, I was a little peeved. Because he ended up being straight edge too, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, no. And oh, we, yeah. we're still really, really, I mean, I, I love him. We're, we've always been good friends. But you always kind of go through these little ebbs and tides where, you know, like, I was like, he's fucking with me. <laughs> what the fuck, man? And I remember when, when all of us got together and finally played in our, our own band. It was Spearhead or Balance of the World. I remember it seemed like you and Kirby were like simpatico. Yeah. And Zach and I were, because Zach and I lived in the same neighborhood still. And these guys lived downtown. So we'd play a show and they'd be like, oh, you know, is it cool if you guys just deal with the, the merchant or not the merchandise, but the equipment? So we were always like, why are we the ones always fucking doing this? So we were like, you know, it's like you start to have these, not rivalries, but little, you know, but I've always been really good friends with Curb, except for when he thought I was a dick in, in grade school. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was giving me a hard time. Little jerk. And then what made him... Well, were you the person that got him into straight edge then? Mm, we got... We got... Everybody got each other into whatever we were doing, I think. I think it was just the evolution of our culture, if you will, at that time. Yeah, and, you know, like... I, I the thing that I love about my friends is they don't expect me to be just like them. And they're not just like me. So I don't know. I don't really think I had any effect on him becoming straight edge. He might have been actually at the time. But we all were straight edge together for a long time. Sure. And, and you know, I was listening to like, like I got big into animal rights and being a vegetarian and all that stuff. Probably from youth of today. And uh, I loved conflict. conflict. And I think... I think Soto was the one that got me into that, like everything. Because all my money went into my drums, but he always had money to buy music. So he would just dupe me CDs or cassettes. Cassettes. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't heard, you haven't mentioned a, a tape yet. You haven't mentioned getting a tape from anybody. With yeah, Soto. no, he used to make the best. Soto used to. Yeah, Soto used to make the best uh, mixtapes. And it would always be two songs. Together. Yeah. Double shots. Okay. Of the same Double shots of each, yeah. And it was always like, you know, you go from like seven seconds to Gorilla Biscuits to something else. And you're like, wow, this is the whole tape just kept in a circle jerks or whatever. And it was always because he had a very broad musical taste also. But it was all, you know, like he loved punk rock, but he was still a metalhead. And so I probably learned everything or got exposed to everything from Soto musically or you know most of our other friends but he and i him playing bass and me playing drums and him being in every band i was ever in when i lived in seattle 
it was just, you know, it's like having my brother with me and, uh, yeah, he just always exposed me to new music. Okay. And then before you know it, I guess if I saw you guys play that face first show with undertow, that was pretty early on then for you. Yeah. So I've known you for most of the time you were involved in like the, yeah. Cause you're talking about the resolution era and I was going to show going down, coming down from Bellingham for shows at that too. Yeah. So that's, I'm trying to think if there's anything, anything that I usually hit on fights. You get in a lot of fights? Just uh freshman year of high school. That's right. We hit on that for a second. Yeah. So I, what I was, was this fight about? I was a weirdo. So I played sports. You were, played sports and you were a punk rocker. Yeah. And the were kids, you a skateboarder? Yeah. I love skateboarding. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute too, but let's do okay. the fight. So most of the kids at my school were fucking assholes. Yeah. At, like all kids in high school, but they were like, you know, we had the Seattle Thunderbird uh, junior hockey team or whatever, you know, like the semi-professional hockey players that were fucking huge would play, you know, they went to our high school, but I played football and the quarterback and the running back were just total cocksuckers. They were assholes and they would fuck with me every day. What did you do? Nothing. No, no. What did you do on the team? Oh, I played uh, fullback. Okay. So. I'm right there. We're all three always together. I'm right behind the quarterback and right in front of the, the running back. So one day, the, the irony was that the running back started pick the fight. And then the, the, it was like, you want to fight? And I was like, if you'll leave me alone, yeah, let's fight after practice. But I fought the quarterback. Wait, wait. So it was a setup fight. It just didn't happen. Like you actually had to go meet up for the fight. Yeah, no. And it was like, after practice, go around the corner. With guys on your team. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. Yeah. And so his, the the quarterback's father was there. and uh, What, standing in the doorway? Like No, it was after practice. <laughs> no, no. It was after practice. Come so on, some, some people's parents had showed up to pick him up. I was riding my bicycle. And uh, so he's all, Dad, I'm going to go fight this guy. So, okay. So <laughs> we, we go around the corner and one of our mutual friends, I think he was more my friend than uh, the quarterback's was going to watch the fight and the dad pops around the corner and goes, Hey fucker, get out of here. So it was just between, you know, he didn't, Oh, there wasn't to... even a, there wasn't even a, an audience. No, there was nobody. And, Not even uh, the dad. No. The dad was just waiting to see which kid walked back around the corner. Well, I think he was, you know, he just popped his head around the corner just to see what was going on. And he saw a third party there and was uh. like, Hey, I don't want this to be an unfair fight. Right. Right. Okay. He's probably a very pragmatic father. Just like, Hey, you're going to fight, whatever. But so, you know, I've only ever been in fights with my brothers and it's, you don't talk about it. He just starts beating the shit out of you and you fight back. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is really awkward. I've got all these nerves and my, my tummy hurts. And like, I'm, I'm scared shitless, but I'm not backing down because these fuckers won't leave me alone. Right. And so I didn't know what to do. I've never started a fight before. I've just gotten, I finished them because my brothers would beat me up. (laughs) And I just go, I just started yelling at him. I was like, you're a fucking asshole. And I just listed off everything I hated about him because he was fucking with me incessantly. And I finally hit on something that pissed him off so bad. He started running towards me because we're walking in a circle with our hands And you were, you were you were listing off the, your <laughs> list of uh, uh, grievances. I'm verbally berating him <laughs> to the point he couldn't take it anymore. And he ran towards me and I fucking punched him in the face and broke his nose. Oh. And he's immediately like blood is just going everywhere. Uh-huh. And he steps back and he goes, oh, fuck. And he's small. He's taller than me. I'm about, I'm almost my size now. So I'm about six one, six mm-hmm. feet tall. I'm probably about 200 pounds. And how old are you? 13. Okay. 
and I'm the smallest in my family. <laughs> right, right. So he's got this look of like, what was he thinking? <laughs> he was he was big though. He was like six two. Yeah. Um, he was big for his age too. He tried to fucking tackle me after that. He's like, oh, oh he God. came after you again after you. Yeah, and I just I literally grabbed him and stopped him and picked him up and threw him on the ground. Like you see in some of these videos today where, you know, some guy just picks you up and throws you and, you know, he's almost knocked out, but he's on his face and he's just like, oh my God, I'm dying. And I fucking put my foot on his face <laughs> and I'm smushing his face into the concrete and I'm all, you had enough motherfucker. I was pissed. But and his dad isn't seeing any of this. No. And okay. his dad probably would have been like, well, just, you know, if you knock him out, don't keep punching him. No. But I got on my well, bicycle. It's probably a big lesson for him. Yeah. Because years later... I didn't play f football 10th grade or 11th grade, but I did my senior year because I broke my leg uh, in a motorcycle accident. And he went to a different school, different high school, and he told everybody, he's like, whatever you do, don't fuck with that guy. I never had to fight ever again. <laughs> he spread the word. Huh? Yeah, because I'm, I mean, if I have to, I will, but I don't want to. Right. I'm, I'm very mellow and peaceful, and I just want to be left alone. But when you fuck with me and fuck with me, like this kid and his buddy did, man, it just, it finally all erupted. And and his buddy never came back around with it, huh? No. You set up the fight with him and he put in a, a second? Well, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was really weird. It was very high school, but the, the, the it's like Game of Thrones. Like you got to put in a, 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 someone to fight for you. I've never seen that show, but. Well, that happens in it. Okay. The, the funniest part about the whole thing though, was when I got on my bicycle and started riding home. I felt so bad that I beat that kid up and I beat him up bad. I started crying. I was like, oh my God, I beat him up. Like it, it was hard for me. So, you know, I, I don't like that kind of the, when your adrenaline crashes. That stuff's important though. Like, yeah. It's no. still an important part of your, the, your development of how you, you know, came yeah. into the person that you are. Because All these things happen for us when we're in those age groups. That's yeah. why I'm always fascinated by first fights, first loves, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I never, I've never, I've had one little altercation since then, but it was like 20 years or 30 years. Apart. All the shows you've been to, you've never gotten into a fight in the crowd. Uh, I, the, when we used to go to the Seattle Union Pacific, there was yeah. those three or four oh, yeah. Nazis that would show up from Bremerton Island, yeah. which is now El Gaucho. El Gaucho downtown. downtown. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a walking tour of Seattle with this guy. Hey, I can't job. think of his name. Remember the dude walking into the pit with the with the, the chair. folding chair over yeah. his head? Crazy that was Jim. the best part. Jim. And and uh the best part he goes walking he's walking in <laughs> with the chair and he had the craziest look on his face and Larry LeFevre just like beelined right over to him and just kinda grabbed him and turned him around. He didn't even stop or or struggle. He just like totally went whoop like she just <laughs> moved him in an angle and so he just walked out of the you know redirect. Yeah. Redir yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I remember thinking, well, that was awesome, but his point was definitely made. Like, yeah. chair coming in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and from my vantage point, it was awesome. Because well, all you see is this chair going boom, boom, like over the yeah. head of people, like this bobbing up and what down. What show was that? Was that seaweed. Seaweed, seaweed or was it Into Another? Yeah, Into into Your Mother and Seaweed. Oh, the same show? Into Yeah, Into Another. But I think yeah. Seaweed was playing. Or what, was it Sam I Am? No. That was a different Sam. show there, though. I saw Sam I Am there. Yeah, I saw that too. So anyhow... I knew these guys would always show up to those shows. So yeah. I wore my force down and racism t-shirt mm -hmm. and I was like, I fucking know it's going to piss them off, which is why I'm wearing it. Fuck you, you racist motherfucker. You know, that period of time when that sailors union of Pacific shows, when those shows were going on, it seemed like there was a lot of 
potential violence right in that period of time. And it was from that that I went and wrote the Edgecoral script. Yeah. Because the, remember when there was a whole group of people chasing somebody down the street? Yeah. And well, so what I think it is, though, is that was when the scene was getting really big and you had a lot of people coming in that weren't there. Mm for the first couple years oh there was an influence that came in and caused trouble that's for sure yeah i know who you're talking about oh am i talking about someone yeah okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm wearing my shirt to provoke him because i'm kind of good like that you know it's like i'm not going to sit back and let something like that go on i'm gonna i'm gonna do something about it but you know i let him bring the the altercation to me and he's dancing in the pit pushing people and punching them and he comes by me and he just sucker punches me out of nowhere the uh the skinhead oh but the funny thing was my brother was six foot six and you know 275 and my other brothers took state second in state in wrestling yeah so i'm used to these guys that are huge when they punch you you don't wake up you know for like five minutes and he (laughs) punched me and i laughed at him and I was like, that's all you got? And all of a sudden, then I see Jim go right by me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So I had no idea that was actually, that chair story is about you getting punched. Yeah, Jim was watching. I think he was standing on the chair watching the show. Mm. And I was standing right at the, I was one of the people. I had always thought that pit. he had run out to the edge and grabbed it like it was leaning against the wall. Because it was folded up, right? <laughs> As he came I, out, it, it was, was like a wrestling When it was above his head, yeah. I folded. think he was standing on it, probably. That's that Jim. I, I don't know. Jim was maybe 5'9". Mm-hmm. Okay. He wasn't super tall. So I just remember the whole show stopped. Seaweed stopped playing, and everyone's looking at these three guys, and they're like, we're going to fucking kill you. That's the sense that I had. And I was laughing at him. I'm like, you fucking pussy. That's all you got. But I didn't, you know, we didn't even get a chance to fight. Right. Well, Lori got right in there and, and yeah, was she, pushing people out. and was. It was funny, though, <clears throat> because I followed them out by myself. No one followed me. And I got in their faces outside, and one of them I was huge. That. And I was talking so much smack. I was like, you're a bunch of fucking pussies. And you backed them away just by yourself? Well, they were leaving. She kicked them out. Yeah. But I was, I was out there talking shit. I didn't throw a punch, but I was letting them know, don't come back. And, uh... I, I turned around and I'm like, Oh, I thought there were people behind the me. The whole show was with me. <laughs> and now, and it, that brings me to another altercation. Do you remember that? That's what we Which like. One? Come on. We were walking. I think you were there. Soto. Uh, it was, no, maybe it was Matt and Tom. Oh, oh, the university. Oh, God. <laughs> so we, we, I think we were going to play pool at the little pool hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at the billiards hall. And we yeah. were walking back, and we got on to 45th. Well, this we'll... story could could take place in the mid-50s. We're walking back from the billiard hall. <laughs> Which is... But, yeah. so, yeah, no, this is like 90, 94, no, 95. Earlier than that, dude, like 90, 93, 92. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, but... So we're walking, and there's this car full of kids driving eastbound, and we're walking on the north side of the street westbound towards the freeway. And they start talking shit and they're, you know, it's, it's like going, when we used to go to the sucker capital of the world. Yep. Uh, like resolution wrote about yeah. sucker capital of the world. <laughs> yeah. The, the minivans and the, the mini cars <laughs> driving through the Chuck E. Cheese and the, the parking lot up there in Linwood. So it was one of those, like, we're going to heckle you. And I think they were actually talking to Matt, Matt Aiello I can't, I can't and Tom, cause they were little kids. They were like 16 years old. If that, they probably were younger. And I just said something like, yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself. 
you know, or I flipped them off or something. They did not like that. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, man, if you're going to do that, be, you know, you get better expect that someone's not going to take your shit. I feel like everybody our age has their story of the <clears throat> guys who got out of a car for a fight. Well, so they make a left onto university. Uh-huh. I think. Whatever street that <laughs> he's is. now well, looking at they, Soto they, well, for verification. They, they stopped between Brooklyn and no, they, University they, Ave on 45th. No, they turned around and came back. Yeah. And they, they pulled in and they separated our group by this little alleyway. I think I was in front and they were behind me and they, they almost hit me with their car. And there were six Russian kids. Oh, that's across, not good. Right across the street from the Neptune Theater on 45th. Okay. So it was six Russian kids in the car? And yeah. they jumped yeah. out. That might have been a mistake then. <laughs> Well, the funny thing was they jumped out and they grabbed bats yeah. oh, oh, oh. and <laughs> and pipes. Oh, like, no. You know, my dad's a plumber, so he's got all this three feet long, two inch uh, plumbing pipe, you know. Oh, they popped the trunk or they just had them on the floor? No, the they car. popped their trunk. They jump out. <laughs> yeah. And they fucking surround me. And they're Russian, so their English is really, you know, I'm like, really? And I was like, okay, you know, I, I've seen you know, bears and, and you, you either play dead or you make yourself really big. <laughs> so I made myself as big as I could. And I just looked at him and I was saying every stupid thing you could say to try and antagonize them. You guys are a bunch of fucking pussies. You're not going to hit me. Fuck you. Do it. Bring it on. <laughs> so I kind of got like crazy Jim. I was like, fuck these guys. I'm not going to back down. I was like, and they were, they had me in a circle. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly looking around and turning my body and right, I had my so arms someone up. couldn't get you from the back. Yeah. I mean, and I had my arms up and, and I'm looking and Matt, I yellow and Tom, <laughs> those little assholes are at the fucking corner, a block and a half away. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Where they, were you? So, well, that, <laughs> that, 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 no, yeah, I was there. I was, no, 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 no. I, I was very relevant in this. So right, I'll, I'll let him finish. You're good. And I don't know if I'm remembering it. You might remember it differently, but that's how I remembered it. I was like, yeah. I got as big as I could. And I'm how like, did it fold up? Well, so I'm well, looking. I'm like, those motherfuckers ran away. And they were like, and later I was giving them shit about it. And they're like, we were, we were trying to get the cops, man. And I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, okay. So, yeah, he was surrounded. They, they focused on him. Because I was the one that said And something. I was, mm -hmm. I think Jennifer was there too. I don't know what happened no. there. Okay, so anyway, so but I was standing, I I was standing outside of that circle, standing there like fuck, <laughs> and I think I had mace, like bear mace on me, maybe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I used to carry mace at this time that you guys were talking oh, about. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Matt and Tom ran up to go find the cops. I literally went thirty feet back, backing up like this, and find a cop. That's it. And you did flag a cop? Yeah, I flagged a cop. They, they got arrested. Oh, that's what, how this ends? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I, I didn't was, get yeah, I, was, I just happened to be, like, right there. And then it was, like, right by that key bank on 45th or whatever. There was a cop right there. And, so, hey. so right now, Ivan <clears throat> is in his cell right now. He's like He's podcast. doing another. He's listening to his podcast. He's got the stars above his heart. Like, he's got the whole Russian mob. <laughs> Tattoos stars on his knees and, and his he's, feet. Yep, and he's and he's just doing push-ups and he's just listening to you. And he's Bring like, it on. he goes by Kinder now. I get you. I get you, dude. <laughs> yes. It'll be like Eastern. Soto promises. just did the Eastern Promises two finger on the neck move, yeah. which was badass. I won't be naked fighting though. You won't be? No. Okay. 
No bathhouses. I'll, I'll keep my gi. No bathhouses. <laughs> you need the gi to choke them. Yeah. 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 That was that was sketchy because there was there was no winning that. We were you're I mean, lucky they, they came they came prepared. Well, you're lucky looking that, that none of those six guys was the crazy one. Yeah, because yeah. you just needed no one to swing one. and yeah. it's on, right? Well, I, mean, I think it's really easy to be hanging out with your buddies and talking tough, and then when the reality hits, you were like, "Fuck, we're getting out of the car. Why are we doing that? You know what? We don't we don't want to do this." And then you're standing there. Who's gonna be the first guy to do it? Yeah, you guys and, are supposed to run. Well, that's you what, didn't run, so you screwed it up because now yeah. they have to circle you with yeah with and, weaponry. And that's what I I you know, and I got more and more powerful as I as that two minute interaction. I mean, my heart was pumping, but I was like, everybody I know is like six feet five, six feet seven. They're all hundred pounds on me, and they beat me up daily. Fuck you guys! I'm not gonna back down from you. And luckily, I made myself big enough that they didn't want to hurt me. So. But that was a very, very close call. I always, with guys getting out of cars, because in Bellingham it was all like hicks. It was all like county boys, you know. And they were always older. They were always in some fucking Mustang or some asshole muscle car or whatever. Which cars I think are amazing now, but at the time, like, you'd see that car and someone would be yelling something out of it. Well, yeah, you associated that car with that hick. Yeah. And so we would always run, you know. And we had one friend that wouldn't run because he didn't care how many people were in the car. He was going to fight them. And so that sucked if you were with him, because then, you know, we, everyone else was down to run. You yeah. Know? But, um, <laughs> but I was never with him when it happened. I would just hear the stories after the fact. Right. But one time we were walking back from a movie and we had my friend's sister and her good friend. And so there were, there were uh, five of us walking and this car little guys goes by and yells something. And we all, you know, we're all just ignoring them. And the sister, actually the sister's friend yells, fuck you asshole. So then they come back <laughs> And we can't run because the girls won't run. So then it's like, oh, fuck. Now we're defending honor. Now yeah. we're in trouble. And that, that actually was the a, a shitty night. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little bit. Not, I mean, I didn't get beat up, but I got a little bit roughed up. Because what, what are you going to do? Yeah. There were more of them than us in yeah. the car, you know? But in the end, they still got in their car and left without any real damage. And the girls just kept mouthing off the whole time. And we're like, so when they leave, we're like, hey, uh. Shut the fuck up, because you're not getting punched in the face. <laughs> That's probably what saved you, is because they annoyed the girls annoyed the guys so could, much. Could be, could be. I mean, this is God. This is, I you know, the girls were like 13 or 14. We were like 15. You know, so what are you gonna do? Yeah. We're learning. <laughs> yeah, learning curve. Yeah, don't don't yell at the hicks that are gonna beat us up in front of you. Could try to impress you. Yeah, <clears throat> but it wasn't Russian mob kids. No, that was bad. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't. I don't hope I never go through that again. <clears throat> what was your first skateboard? Um, uh, freeformer. It was a freeformer, and I think my dad bought it for me from Fred Myers. Free? Is it a? It was a tiny little wood board. Oh, okay. With one black uh, stripe of uh, the grip tape, tape. Mm-hmm. and it had almost no tail, and it was just a. Tiny but was this little... during the skateboarding era when everyone was on the wide boards, or was this even earlier? When no, you this was kid? like nineteen eighty three. Okay. Or 84, right when we first moved into our neighborhood. Right. And then the kids next door, the older brother skated. And then I, I was always, all every fucking penny I had always went into my drums. So I never had money for skateboards. We lived in a nice house, but my parents weren't rich. So all their money went into the house. Right. So I, I remember, and you know, my mom tells me it wasn't really that bad. But as a kid, I always felt like it was. And I was like. 
I was always worried about if there was going to be enough food, which is probably why I eat fast today. I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm eating it. There's only so much. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, Mo Davis, who's a friend of ours, who I actually was in my first kind of real band with, it was Kirby, uh, my friend Matt Mayer, and Mo Davis, Jason Davis. What was your name, Eric? Fertile Turtle. (laughs) Your band was Fertile Turtle? Yeah. (laughs) Makes me laugh every time I hear it. And, uh, We played the Mountain Lake Terrace Talent Show <laughs> nice. in 1989. Let's call it the right? Big Mountain Lake Terrace Talent Show. Yeah. Because <laughs> that just sounds like it would be in a movie. And, Fertile uh, Turtle. Fertile Turtle. Yeah. So my well, friend Mo uh-huh. was a badass skateboarder. Right. Probably still is. But uh, I think he was either sponsored or he knew someone. So he always got new boards. And I'd be like, hey, uh, what are you going to do with that old one? Oh, so, so you got hand-me-down. Yeah, so I was always a hand-me-down So kid. what was your first, like, pro-level board? It was Ed Templeton. A Templeton? What, 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 who did he skate for? I don't know, but Mo gave me that board. What that was, was, it, was it Santa Cruz? Templeton? No. I don't, I, f- I feel like it could be Dogtown, but I don't know if that's right either. Maybe. I don't know. We're going to have to look this up. Templeton is not a name that I was very familiar with. I think it was. Or wait, who's the guy that runs the label with Billy Joe? Uh, Adeline Records. What's Jim Thebo? Oh, Thebo. Maybe it was a Thebo. Okay, because I, I remember that, that was probably Santa Cruz. Because the reason I remember, I think it was him. Because I ended up being in this in some bands in California that were put out by Billy Joe and Jim Thebo on their record label, Adeline no, cool. Records. And I was like, that's I used to fucking ride his skateboards when I was a little kid. Nice. So what what was your uh, what was your setup? Do you remember your trucks and your wheels? No. I, I, everything was a hand-me-down. Sure, but Talk it was to like me. the first time you had like the good stuff. Yeah, it was all beat up. It was all beat up? Because Mo shredded. So, I mean, he shredded the shit out of the board. It's like when uh, you you play drums and you your drumsticks are totally shredded and you can like go like this and they look mm-hmm. like they're going to break. Then he'd be like, here you go. <laughs> Which was still better than... Was still better than what you had, Fucking right? nothing. But all I did was fall down. You I did. was really, really bad. I, all my energy and focus was on music. Okay. So I loved playing drums. I loved skateboarding too, but I just was never good at it. And the, the kids that were good, you'd just be like, well, you'd watch them skateboard and you'd be like, fuck, I can't do that. It, it was real skateboards. Yeah. Real? Templeton. Yeah. But real didn't come around until the 90s, did it? Uh, yeah, 92. That's what it says. Oh, well, I, so. I guess that could be right because I'm thinking this would have been the 80s that you're talking about, like the late 80s. Well... Well, I started on a real old school skateboard in like 84. Right. Then I stopped. Okay. So this would have been early 90s. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So then I got into motorcycles. Then I broke my leg and my dad made me sell my motorcycle that I just bought. And then I bought my drum set. Or I might have, I I can't remember. I might have had my first drum set already. Well, uh, you had, you had a drum set made of, made of a garbage can and, and a bunch of buckets. Well, yeah. And then I went to the Seattle drum shop, Jerry Garcia, on First Avenue and bought my first drum kit for like 400 bucks. And this is how broke I was. That was all the money in the world I had from paper routes and all that bullshit. But Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford the extra $50 for a drum throne to sit on. So I was doing all this experimenting on, you know, how am I going to sit and play my new drum kit? My dad drank a lot of beer. (laughs) So I was like, oh, three empty beer cases of beer beer the generic <laughs> white label yeah black letters beer yep. that's what i sat on not just in movies that was real stuff yeah because you had the little game 
game board underneath. There was a little game board underneath? Yeah. Like You guys don't remember that? No. The little oh. game board underneath the beer? Yeah. The, you, you I had, remember Lucky Logger had little puzzles under the, yeah, it was the like, caps. It was like three or four pictures and you had to yeah. figure out what it meant. So I did a lot of that. I'd like always, I believe in you. Yeah. Something like, like that. An I and a B and then someone like walking away. Yeah. <laughs> I believe um, something like that but yeah okay I didn't know that the, the beer beer had that I know Lucky Lager had that yeah. one night we were on top of a hill somewhere in Bellingham and um, everyone was drinking Lucky Lager except for me and uh, they were all reading they were all trying to solve the caps um, with a pen light and then every time they'd solve one everyone would cheer and scream and then they'd throw the empty bottle up in the air and it would fly down into this uh playground underneath and shatter so they were uh shattering glass all over a playground nice <laughs> was awesome the cop showed up a little later we ran got away yeah <laughs> sometimes it's good to run we did yeah. we got away it was uh yeah good times <laughs> sometimes you gotta run. you can't stand and fight the cops like no. they're like they're a gang of russian kids no it's bad it's all bad <laughs> okay so i think yeah. that's most of those things i get where you came from now and i understand why we ended up in the same place the party hall and then started basically working together because you ended up in 1007. You were the second drummer that I knew from 1007. And, and I, I loved that band. I loved that band. I love that band to this day. It was kind of crazy actually to become a part of it because I loved Chainsaw Orchestra. Okay. Chainsaw Orchestra is a, an absolute classic, yeah. amazing record. And then, you know, so they, they seemed like, I just remember they seemed older and they probably were a few years. But, uh, and it was totally not the style of music that a lot of people listened to or liked in our scene because it was mostly hardcore and some punk. But, but 1007 was totally this kind of their own thing, pop punk thing. And but people it had liked a them. little bit of a DC kind of vibe from that early 90s. Kind of, there was a real DC influence, and yeah. Matt had come from that area. And I just remember loving them. And then it was so weird. I don't even remember how that came about, but he called me or something and left me a message. But didn't you two come as a kind of a package? No, Dave no. Dave Ford was That's right. The bass player. Okay. Because those two guys, the bass player and the drummer, quit to go to school. In Bellingham. Yeah. And I did a band with them up there called Bulgus Looney. Yeah. So they came up. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know how it happened, but I ended up getting in the band and then I never knew Dave. But he was cool as shit. We had a, me, him. Him and I had a good time. I have always, you know, bass players and drummers always get along. And I think every band I've ever been in, I've had a special relationship. We were, you know, like good friends outside of the band. And mm. but um, then Dave quit, right? And I was like, motherfucker, I'm getting my buddy Soto in. So and you I brought think, Soto in ten seven, and I, I think he was very reluctant. Uh, I might have been. I'm always every every. It's a commitment, but I was stoked. I remember that. Yeah. It, yeah, it but was. he didn't make me feel like he was stoked. I was like, it was like trying to get laid. You'll have to go listen to the Soto episode of I've Known You Too Long to find out his version of the story. Well, because I, I, same, same thing as him. I love 1007. It was, it was like, oh, rad, but it was like, oh, shit. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of like I, I get set on where I want to go and, and, I get so fixated on it that I, I may even waste time knowing that I'm not even going to get there. But that's what I want to do. And but, so 1007 might have been a sidestep from that, maybe. Well, but, so we were. So I was reluctant in that way, but I love that band. It was fucking We I were don't super it. into hardcore bands and yeah. stuff and punk rock. 
And I think yeah, in the photo shoot for the 1007, the second LP that I put out, you're wearing a No Escape T-shirt. That's which my is No Escape T-shirt. You're I wearing think I had Eric's it for months. No Escape yeah. T-shirt. You had it for years. Years. As a matter of fact, he yeah, broke it so, in for me. So that was a great show too, by the way. No Escape. You, yeah, we saw yeah. them play, and I bought that shirt from Tim or somebody. Nice. And I think uh, who ate the last of the Lucky Charms. <laughs> into another yeah into another <laughs> i think it was yeah. a bunch of it was a bunch of east coast hardcore bands so yeah. soto and i um. well you have the, the point i'm trying to make is soto and i were always together mm-hmm. in my little uh dodge omni mm-hmm. everywhere i went there he was but yeah he even wore my t-shirts well i would you know i, I have a, I had a pretty shitty home life so it's like i'm gonna go visit my friend's it was either his house or the Lafaves, which was just up the road. Mm-hmm. And I would literally go, oh, I'm going to go there for the night. I'd be there for months. Oh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I so think he lived at the Lafaves. I actually lived at the Lafaves for like three months. In the basement. Yeah. The pa- parents didn't even know I was there half the time. <laughs> awesome people. Honestly, they, honestly, honestly the Lafaves <laughs> yeah. uh, are why we any of us did anything musically yeah. because... It would have been. It was 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 that the place that you could go? To? Well, yeah, that was like the neighborhood. It was a place that let us go on tour. Well, it's so a van. That's a good story. We're like we're like okay, we got to go on tour. Blah blah blah. We're trying to figure it out. I'm like <laughs> the one idiot kid in the neighborhood that just goes up and says what I think. Uh-huh. So I go to Mr. Lefave. Hey, uh, Mr. Lefave, do you think um, I'm in a band? And we're trying to tour the United States. Could we use your family van for the summer? And as an added bonus for collateral, we'll take your son Tom with us too. <laughs> like and that, that makes any sense. Yeah. By the way, he's like, what, what was he, 15 or 16? He's like, oh, I can get this kid out of here for the, for the summer. You can go see the country. And this and, was Town of Seven, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he's like, hey, pull my finger. You know, like he was one of those dads. <laughs> oh, God. He was just cool as shit. And he was like, uh, let me think about it. Okay. And so That's he so lets cool. us. Yeah. And we fucking destroyed that van. Not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. No. But you can we drive a van around the dicks, country. But yeah. And we, it was a small, it was the, the seven passenger Dodge van. It wasn't the 13 or the 17 mm-hmm. person, like that everybody ended and not up Not the wide him. body that they made back then either. It was, the it was the smallest one you could get, but it was a step above my mom's minivan, which would not have done it. Right. And we put one of those, we put one of those clamshells up on top. So we constantly were getting up on top of the van, which fucked the roof up. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. would burn the shit out of us because it was like summer. It was like August but, in Utah. And so we put the spare tire. This is how smart we were. We had to put the spare tire on top of the roof. Then we'd have to climb on the roof every day because we had personal shit up there. Right. So we fucked the roof up, destroyed the van. We bring it home. We actually broke down in Sioux City, Iowa, which was epic. Yeah, that was Benjamin Benjamin there. Davis. There's some stories around Sioux City, Iowa alone. Yeah, really bad stories. <laughs> but uh, what the kind we don't tell on this podcast? No. Well, we can when you them. see your buddy and, and he's like, "Hey, I left the," he's like a block away. He's like, "Hey, Kinder, I left a bag of fruit on the the door for you." You're like, "Cool, thanks, buddy." Because I had like gone to use the telephone. I come back and I see this plastic bag hanging on the outside door of our motel room. Motel room, and I'm all. And I, I didn't think, take a breath before you look. And I'm just normally breathing. And I go, as I look in the bag, and it's a dump. 
It's a bag of shit. It's a bag so, of shit. That's not so on fire. Why don't you tell him why he had to take a dump <laughs> in a bag? Well, yes. first, first off, I have to tell you how he took the dump. In how the bag. did I not hear any of these stories from Monso? <clears throat> I'll be here for the sound effects well, while you tell the story. About Matt me. was Matt was pissed because we used his credit card and we destroyed. <laughs> you think we destroyed the van? We destroyed that fucking hotel. <laughs> and so Wait, when we, you, we 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 didn't start the process on that hotel, we weren't at fault for starting that. No, I think it was Ben and Matt. It was Matt. <laughs> It's okay. 100% mad. But it's <laughs> but he still got mad at us. Total mad cuz we we were mm. like, "Okay, you want to play that game? We'll play it too." And then he gets really butthurt when it's time to leave cuz we fucked that room up. But so when you go into a motel, they provide you a little it's like a cot. And you open it up cuz it's got folding legs and it's got little um strips of fabric. Yeah. And you put your um luggage. Your luggage on there to open it so you can unfold and Sure. Fucking Ben Davis pulls that out in the middle of the fucking room, sits down with a plastic bag under him, spreads the the material wide enough for him to take a dump in yep, front of everybody into a bag. Yeah, you, the sound That's effects. Like wait, wait, those are the sound effects? Do it, do it again. That's what you hear. And I wasn't, I actually was, I didn't witness any of this. I was out using a phone or something. Because we, we, we bought a dialer horrible. from this kid. <laughs> the phone di- dialers. You okay. The phone dialers. Phone dialers. We've talked about them on this podcast before, but just so people understand what this is, you'd buy a dialer at Radio Shack. It just made the same tones as a payphone. You could buy a different crystal through like a supply company. If someone knew how to do it, they could solder that crystal in and it would change the tones. You'd hold them up to a payphone and you would push the three, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would make and the it, sound of a dime. Yeah. And the or phone. A quarter. It, I never it, had one that. that we had, I we never had, had one that made a quarter sound. <laughs> I only had, had a dime sound. No, we had quarters, dimes, and nickels. You could yeah. do. And yeah. we bought it off So you this could kid. make free phone calls at payphones. Yeah. yeah. It was intended to do speed dial over payphones. Right. You could save numbers and it would go beep, 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 or but whatever. Early hackers. Yeah, early hackers figured out how to get free calls. Yeah. So, so yeah. and we all, I mean, everyone in this room had one, right? At oh, some yeah. point, we bought ours in, it, it in was Atlanta. Did you ever have? Did you ever have it screw up and have someone come yep. onto the phone? Please, what happened? Can you please insert another quarter? <laughs> yeah. Do 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 do. And then I think she caught me, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Boom! And I hung exactly. Up the phone. Hang up the phone and leave. What, what are, are they, they going to do? Yeah. They going to send someone to you know, yeah, for the a quarter? GTE police? <laughs> GTE. <laughs> Which was the phone carrier of choice for payphones back then? Yeah, yeah. the phone or, provider. But GTA. so yeah, so criminals this, international. Well, I think this kid Mike put on criminal. our show, and we played in Atlanta at the Somber Reptile, and uh, which was I think after we played the motorcycle repair shop in Savannah, Georgia, with well, we Buzz sh- Oven. Awesome. Yeah, got shot at. Can you imagine being in ten oh seven and having an Asian singer in your band <laughs> playing a fucking to a bunch of drunk rednecks at a motorcycle repair shop with a dirt floor. Yes, I can. And I think it was right around <laughs> on the, fourth... the four, on the Fourth of July. So while yeah. you're trying to play um, Chainsaw Orchestra or Mr. Bundy or whatever songs we played, they're throwing light lit fireworks at us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Matt probably loved that. Like, oh. Missile batteries at us, <laughs> aimed at us. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to ignore this and I'm going to do my duty. And then all of a sudden, Ben Ben Davis grows a pair. And just goes, whips his SG off and goes, come on, fuckers, fuck you. And then Matt's all, 
you guys ever wonder why people hate the South? He said something like that. Total, total angry, racist little Asian guy yelling racial epithets at white people. If any of you haven't listened to my other podcast, The Token Asian, this is the other star of my other podcast. So definitely, this is some early stories of his exploits. Yeah. So we Before were, he found weed. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, yeah. fuck this. We're out of here. We stopped playing. We're loading our van as fast as possible because I'm like, someone's going to beat us up and I, I can't beat everybody up. I'm the only guy in the band that's of, you know, that could probably protect us. And this guy comes up and goes, I fucking love your band. Nice. He's like, I really do. I bought a t-shirt and I bought a record, but I got this gun. And he pulls out a gun. Yeah. It's like a 45. No, it was a nine millimeter. And I'm like, oh, fuck. He's like, you want me to take care of this for you? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're Wait, leaving. So he was going to go take care of the people that were giving we're you guys a hard time? Us. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, put that away. We're leaving right now. He was going to go shoot somebody. So he so he he bought a shirt, bought a record and came to defend you while you were while I you were I think he only bought up. a CD. I don't think he bought a shirt. I don't even know if we Matt, had shirts. Matt, no, <laughs> yeah, no, we had shirts. Matt and I I remember we pulled out shirts and said what size you are. I remember that. And we gave him a shirt and so <laughs> That's <away>. fantastic. <laughs> See, now I feel like that's the kind of band that 1007 was. A whole group of people are going to fuck with you and throw shit at you and one guy is going to come out and pull a gun because he loves you that much well, you that would, is a that is as perfect an analogy for 1007 as I've ever heard you would know because there was like seven of those guys that bought records right? what's that oh you mean in life <laughs> yeah yeah because I put out 1007 yeah, records you put and, out the records and they didn't sell I kept well and I here's the thing I kept putting out records that didn't sell yeah. for bands that Matt was in no sometimes <laughs> those, sometimes and those other people would sell and other people yeah but it was look I, I have, I've always loved the music that Matt made, I never took it. I never took yeah. that bad of a bath on anything, you know. Yeah. So, Ten Seven didn't never caught on the way I wanted it to. It should have. I know. I look back. I'm like, that yeah. was a good band for the time, especially the songs we never <clears throat> recorded. Those last. That's what, Matt talks Fuck. about those songs well, too, especially because we fucking we'd open. He for says there's a tape somewhere that you guys recorded like at a college on that tour and you played WFMU. There's a WFMU tape oh. and, and Kings head in and Virginia beach. Right. And the, those had these they songs you never yep. recorded yep. and he doesn't know where the tape is. That's well, a bummer. Cause those were, I've that been, exists somewhere. I've been trying though. to get those from him for 20 years. So we played WFMU, which was amazing because it's yeah. really bad. You don't want to be outside. East Orange, New Jersey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that went for a carjacking, carjacking <laughs> and car stealing capital of the world, but we're playing and there's a guy there and like everybody played there the misfits played there and so i'm i think you were talking to the guy that was running the board and we got yeah. copies of like all these different bands that we loved like green day and the misfits yeah. playing wfmu at different nice. stages and then uh i remember being we made some friends in virginia beach and uh i do remember listening to the cassette at one point that you guys were talking about and we would cover u2's with or without you <laughs> I was just doing double bass yeah. the whole time. It <laughs> just just making a mockery of the song, but it was awesome. And all these little hardcore kids would jump up on stage when we play it and fucking sing along. Yeah. <laughs> but we turned it kind of into like a, a super hardcore version of that song, which is weird because we were a pop punk band. Mm -hmm. But we played. You guys with, ended up playing with a bunch of hardcore. We bands played with Earth oh, yeah. Crisis yeah. and Strife, 108, and Salt Lake City. Kids were stabbing each other and stuff at the show. Good times. We played with, uh, we always played with weird bands. Yeah. Not weird, but it was weird that we were on but those generally shows. it went over pretty well. I mean, like, 
when we did the Earth Crisis and Strife, that was Josh Mandel's house. Is that jo- is New Jersey? Not Man Grabel. No. Grabel. Josh Grabel. Josh Grabel. In uh, you're thinking Trent, of Dave Mandel. Yeah, I know. I'm getting mixed up. Trent, it's all right. Trent Falls, New Jersey, that mm-hmm. basement. Like that was a weird lineup, but kids totally were like requesting songs of ours. Fantastic. And, yeah, and that was sweet. like one of the nicest like, houses I've ever seen. I think oh, they had insane. a bowling alley, subterranean bowling alley in their house. Oh, I think you're thinking of a. Uh, they were rich. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a different show. I, I don't know. I just remember one. that, yeah. and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, because that the show. I live like, in Briar. We, we play, we, <laughs> yeah, that was a different show, but I remember that one. It was like it was like a theater. They had like street lamps down yeah. there and shit. Oh, didn't we watch a movie after the show? Yeah, that's what, what it was. movie. And I think and I think like uh, that show you're thinking of. I think uh, Jimmy World played. Really? Yeah, they were nothing at the time. Still are. I know. Uh, I, oh, love the, I love that band. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I love them, man. Uh, Red Rocket later played with Jimmy World and like Phoenix. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's after the first album came out. But yeah, actually, if uh, if you guys played with Jimmy World in the summer of '94, it was yeah. still probably a couple years before their first LP even came out. So. Yeah, I knew who they were because I had gotten sent a CD because I was doing this little review thing. But but yeah, I, they weren't big. Well, so I feel like we have to talk about South Carolina, my oh, pet fox critter. cricket. Oh Jesus! Christ. Yeah, <laughs> roadkill. Oh, that was terrible. We, what? We met some guy at a bar. Yeah. We were at the, like the dump bar across. Well, there was like a two lane highway. Uh-huh. People are going fast. I forgot about that. So we're on the rough side of town, and across the street is like the the you know the cool hipster you know college kid bar. We're at the dumpy like white trash meth head bar mm-hmm. and i don't think this was the guy that put on our show right yeah i can't remember his name but he, he was, was in, a, he was in the independence do you know that band like they, they all had devil locks kind of rockabilly ish no they're kind of legendary <clears throat> in their town they've been around okay. i think they're still playing <laughs> same logo they were kind of misfitsy kind okay. of comic booky devil locks but almost rockabilly it was kind of weird so yeah he's and putting so, on our show and he's got a pickup truck and we meet him, and obviously at that time none of us drank. Matt might have, but we were straight edge. Wasn't even old enough to drink. Well, yeah, Matt yeah. might have been twenty-one, but yeah, I Matt, was, Matt was. was. I was eighteen. Yeah. yeah. First U.S. tour, and we Nobody. meet this guy, and he's like, "Hey, you want to see my pet fox cricket?" <laughs> and we're like, "You got a pet fox?" He's like, "Yeah, come here." So he opens up the uh, canopy window in the back of his truck, and it's a fucking dead roadkill fox with flies buzzing around yeah and we're all like oh fuck because we're all you know vegan or vegetarian or whatever and i'm like this is horrible i was kind of like not into this i'm like what do we what do we get ourselves into and then he shuts it because all the critters start coming out because that thing had been dead for days so he closes it and then all these really hot young you know, 21 year old chicks start coming across the highway to this dive bar. And he's like, Hey babies, you want to see my pet Fox cricket? Oh no. And they'd be like, yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear them screaming like, ah. That's and That's somehow, so we've got Tom LaFave with us too. Who's like 15. Yeah. I'm 18. Soto's 19. Uh, ben is probably 18. Back in the days when parents would just send young children across country in a van with other young children, go do whatever you like. Yeah. And uh, so this probably mid 40s working girl. (laughs) That's that's a nice way of putting it. I don't think had any teeth, but she somehow ended up coming back to where we were staying with the promoter. Yeah. 
And she starts to try and walk into the room that we're all five of us are sleeping in a room about the size of this studio, which is just a normal bedroom. She thought bonus five for one. Yeah. (laughs) And we're literally kicking her. We're all laying down and and like half asleep. And she's like coming in, like trying to find who's sleeping bag she's going to crawl in. And we're like kicking and like, leave me alone. And she was going after Tom Lefebvre. (laughs) (laughs) The youngin. Just like in uh, Chicago. You remember that? We were in Chicago and those seven foot tall transsexual hookers were like, hey, baby. You don't remember no, that? I don't remember them, but they were all over Tommy. I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember Fort Smith, Arkansas. You want to see my tattoo? Oh, my pussy must eat it. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. You don't remember okay, that. um, clarify that story. So we were in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Love that place. We're sleeping. It's fucking August and it's super hot. So we're all sleeping in the living room of this kid's uh, apartment. Was that the vacant apartment that he didn't No, no, no. That was uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we're all sleeping in this living room, and it's hot as fuck. So we're all sleeping in our underwear. We're all young kids. Like, we're all... Like, stand by me. Maybe a sheet on us or something like that. This kid's dirty aunt is there. Like, she's just like, I think they're all plumb naked under the... Like, she doesn't know we're actually playing asleep because we're just like, fucking go away. And, like, so she's just like, I think they're all plumb naked under there. And she's, like, going around trying to lift up everybody's blankets and sheets. And I, and I was like, fuck. I woke up. I'm like, what are you And then she goes, she starts talking about somebody's tattoos. I don't know who, because I didn't have any of them. I had a tattoo. You and had so, a couple of tattoos. You had one she goes, tattoo I, at and least. And she, she's like, I got Shelter. a tattoo. It's a it's a tattoo of a mouse. You want to see it? And she starts pulling up her skirt, and there's nothing there. And she goes, "Oh, my pussy must have ate it." And we're like, "What the?" <laughs> f- <laughs> Thank you. Please leave. How old is this woman? Well, 30s. you know, it, back then it felt like she was fucking ancient. She was probably she thirty. Thirty. <laughs> I honestly, none of I don't you were older than eighteen. No, no, I don't. I don't remember. Oh, I mean, it felt like she was like seventy back then. But you know, this is. Um, see, we're laughing about this, but uh, you just switch around a couple things about this story, and it's a horrible, abusive oh, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's funny as hell. I'm sorry. I wouldn't have changed anything. No, I mean, I wouldn't have. <laughs> the shit you go Poor through. Tom is fifteen. <laughs> no, He's just like what the. But it was it's funny. Everywhere we went, all the crazy people wanted him. Yeah. They're, they're like, he's so he's young, young and, and pretty. innocent. Yeah. All right. So that was 10 of 7, but you were also in a band, another band, like at the same time that was doing a lot of stuff. It wasn't the same time, was it? it there was a little yeah. overlap. There was yeah. some, we figured out there was a little overlap. Yeah. Balance of the World in 10 of 7 was at the same time. For Originally, uh, you yeah. were called yeah. Spearhead, though. Yeah. yeah. And then you had to change that name. We, yeah, because there was that guy... Uh, Michael Franti. Yeah. From Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. Well, His I, new band was called Spearhead. And I think, yeah. actually, one time, Maddie's... Am I saying it right? Maddie? Matis. Matis. Keshvaras. Yeah. So, we were friends. Um, I had a crush on her, I have to say. I'm finally letting it out, but... She's I, been on this podcast. I had totally had a crush on her, because she's beautiful. But she anyhow. is. Uh, I will not disagree with you. I might have shared some of that sentiment with you, and she is absolutely amazing. Yeah, one of the most fantastic people I know. Yeah, and I'm glad that I see. That's the thing. Like we grew up with all these different people, and and fucking, you know, I, I love that about because I feel like in life today, people just want to generate to one. You know, like I just want to be surrounded by people like me, mm-hmm. and I hate that because you're you can. Mm 
connect instantly with similar groups. Yeah. Like all bands can sound can sound exactly the same. Yeah. I, I like everybody being themselves and being different. But anyhow, back to my point. She told me one time, I think she was the one that told me that there was another band called Spearhead. And I was like, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. You know, like, and then you saw the video, <clears throat> there's the hole in the bucket. <laughs> no, I don't think I ever knew anything about them. Huh. I, I've never listened to them or nothing. But I believe she told me one time, she was like, yeah, that guy wants to meet you guys or something. It was something weird like... That's super cool because that guy is awesome. Well, yeah, and it that's all I don't know anything about him, but that's kind of what I've always heard. And then we were like, fuck it. You know, and we were like, I think Beijing Spring was probably going to be our name because it was after the photo of the guy in the Tiananmen Square, uh, the little guy standing against the tanks. Standing in front of the tanks. Now, you have just accidentally walked right in to a Mandela effect situation. What happened to the guy with the tank? Oh, he disappeared. He disappeared? I don't think he's still alive. I don't know that. But you don't know that? What happened to... Soda, what happened to the guy with the tank? I don't know. You don't have a memory? No. No. There are a lot of people that remember that he was arrested. And there are a lot of people that have very, very distinct memories of seeing the tanks run him over. Interesting. I do remember. I know someone who says they were so upset by seeing that when they were younger that they remember crying in front of the TV because why did that happen? And they had to be consoled, but like consoled by their parents. Like that is that's that's do you know what the Mandela effect is? It's that whole Berenstein bear thing. Right, right. Where people think that history gets changed and people are left with memories of events that never happened historically because they witnessed them. And then history was changed in some way after the fact. So you have the memory, but there's no actual record of it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I sorry. I have no. That's one idea. of the things I love that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. But so yes. I wanted to know if either one of you remembered him getting run over. No, I, I don't, I think don't so. recall. So you were gonna name your band yeah. Beijing Spring after yeah. the dude. Well, yeah. So we were in this predicament of like, well, what are we gonna call ourselves? And obviously, we were very. I feel like we were kind of pretty political, and then, yeah. we were, you know, all straight edge except for Zach. Um, we were all vegetarian or vegan. So we all had these like things that we were passionate about. And like, we, you know, we were young and naive and wanted to change the world. So I think our music, we wanted the name to reflect the meaning of our music, you know, kind of be something political or, uh, but that's the only other name I can remember. It was Blood Runs Cold was another option, which I think was Kirby and I. It was so, yeah. And so this, but then you opted for, this goes back to us having, not rivalries but our little yeah uh it was almost like we were on two different teams and uh well yeah i mean we that, so kirby and, and soda would come up with a name and then zach and i would come up with a name <laughs> and it was like no i don't like that i don't like that but somehow we ended up it was never a battle though it was always it just always no. just seemed to flow that way like yeah. it was always like well and i think i honestly just think <clears throat> that you and kirby at that point were more closely connected together than zach and zach and i were so it was it was palpable in the band room and and tour and stuff it's like you know i saw zach go pick up that prune juice and drink it all (laughs) 
<laughs> whereas, well, and I heard what happened. After whereas you guys might, juice. you guys might not have seen it. You saw the aftermath, though. So you know, you guys I heard the aftermath. <laughs> That's, I didn't, I didn't see the aftermath. I heard the aftermath. No, wait. Th- so the band became Balance of the World. Yeah, I, I digress. Okay, yeah. no, that's fine. Then we'll go into the prune juice story. So that's you guys did settle on that name. Yeah. And then what? You went on tour and there was a prune juice story. Well, actually, I think it was when we were Spearhead. We went. Yeah. Oh, you know, now I remember some band from Florida, which we shall not name. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still, you know, actually, when I played in time in Malta, we played uh, CBGBs. Yeah. And that band was there. And yeah. They were trying to talk to me, and I was like, "Go fuck yourself." Oh, wait, you had issues with those guys. I don't <laughs> yeah. remember what the well, issues were well, over. Shit. So, I mean, we <laughs> we, we didn't were supposed name to... the band, but I know we what were, you mean. Yeah, we. And yeah. if you were around back then, you'll know who I'm talking that about. That band from Florida. They seem to be here all the time. <laughs> so, we were supposed to tour with them, and you know, I made we all made arrangements to leave right. our jobs and right. come back, and they were like, we were excited because. This was a bigger band for us. They, I think they had a record out, and they had a booker. So it was like, you guys book your own shows to get out to Florida, and then you'll jump on our tour. And we were like, fuck yeah. Everybody's excited. Yeah. And we book a really shitty tour down to California and over. But we played like, you know, I remember um, the kid from Manumission, yeah. Jeff Capra. Yep. Jeff Capra's awesome. He put us up at his house. But so we did these little shows along the way and we met a lot of really cool people. And I remember right before we left, all of a sudden through the grapevine, it was like, oh, blood. Le- uh, uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> this story has actually been told. Soto yeah. told this story, yeah. a version of it. Yeah. And I think he actually dropped the name yeah. then, but that's okay. <laughs> but so, yeah, the, the, the band from Florida was supposedly going to cancel the tour. And I'm like, fuck, you know, just tell me now. I'll be bummed, but tell me now. Cause we haven't left yet mm-hmm. and we'll make arrangements and we'll stay in our jobs and we'll figure it out. But no, no, no. There was one guy in the band that was like, everything's good. Everything's good. So I'm like, all right, just tell me now. And just no, we're doing the tour. Okay. So we do our little tour to get out to Florida and we don't find out till we get to Florida that the tour's off. <laughs> oh God. And I'm like, you the know what? This point from Washington in the U S fuck you guys <laughs> forever. I, I won't, I gave you an opportunity. I would have been butthurt then, but I was really fucking butthurt after. And I <laughs> and had diagonally across the country from your home. Yeah, no. And we drove. We stayed in Florida for a couple of days because I had a girlfriend in Florida. So oh, I, so this whole thing was your elaborate plan to get to see your girlfriend. <laughs> you knew the thing was off. No, not at all. I know, but that's we could. <laughs> conspiracy so, no, I think that, Did you ever think maybe you and Kirby were thinking oh, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, they knew. Oh, yeah. They knew. It's all right. So I remember that's how good of bros they are, dude. They were willing to drive all the way across the country. (laughs) Thank you. So you could see a girl in Florida for two days. But so we were like, well, let's stay. We stayed for a couple days. And I think there was some behind the scenes in their band, the other band that we won't name, trying to work it out still. Yeah. And I'm like, that may have been going on the whole time. You guys, you guys coming may have actually been the thing that was being used to try to have leverage for that tour to happen. Yeah. But to me, it was like, that's really immature oh you got used as a tool yeah and i felt like a tool and after so i think you guys went to disney world yeah they i left these guys and they all did their thing together and i was hanging out with my girlfriend for a couple days and we meet back up with them and i'm like fuck get in the van we fucking drove for about 40 hours from florida and we stopped 
I think three or four times for gas and that's it. Just drove home? Oh, we stopped in the Black Hills and went to uh, Did, Mount, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, we went to Mount Rushmore. Did, didn't and, we go to the Grand Canyon too? Didn't we make our way through? Well, that was on the way out. On the way out. Yeah, I, I can barely remember any of that. But uh, <clears throat> so Tom LaFave has family, some of uh, his Native American side in those mountains. So we stayed with them for like a minute, you know, had some dinner probably or something like that. Laundry, yeah. yeah. That. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. We, I fucking drove all the way almost. I think Tom drove for like five hours. You had an adventure. Yeah. Would you go back and change it? No, but I'm not going to be friends with those guys. They can, <laughs> they can go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> I've heard it's delicious by the way. Yeah. Burgers. In Seattle, it's not an insult. It's not an insult in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. I just saw that on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it has to be true. So you did uh, Balance of the World. How, when did that come to an end? 95. I think our last show is with The Accused. Yeah. And 15. And it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. No, not The Accused. What? 15. We <laughs> opened up for the. We opened up for. Fi- or no, 15 opened up for us. It was uh, Velvet Ois. Which yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah. But it was because it was our last show. So. Yeah, and that was that was the end of it was in like November of ninety five. Yeah. And I went six months here where I was like, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have a band, what am I doing? So Dempsey was in that period of time too. Yeah. You were in a band called Dempsey. Yeah. So Mark and I were good buddies and uh Mark from Owner Tap. Yeah. Holcomb. Mark Holcomb. Oatmeal. Oatmeal we call him. I don't, but <laughs> other people do apparently, I've heard. Yeah. There's an inside story about that. But I <laughs> We there worked together. We worked mean. together at the sub shop, and we had, you know, I became good, but I felt like we were good buddies. And oh yeah, we still are. And uh, actually, I was supposed to play second guitar in Undertow. Well, you also played second guitar in Die Down. Yeah. Well, so that's what happened was Mark and I worked together at the same store, and it was going to be a problem for us to go and do that little. Uh, it was like San Diego tour. Yeah. And I was a horrible guitar player. I can't play to save my life. I think he just was kind of like, hey, I like you. You know, we want to have a second guitar player. You're, you know, I, you know, everybody in the band, everybody likes you and we get along. So I think he wanted it to work out. And I don't remember practicing, but it was supposed to be, I, maybe I played with him once. And then it was like. With Undertow. Yeah, with Undertow. And then they went and did the tour because we couldn't both leave. And then when they came back, they're like, well, I think you're going to play for Die Down now. So got, they handed me down to the kid brother, kid brother band. And I played one show. Up in Bellingham, right? No, in Vancouver yeah. on Granville oh, Street. Oh, that's okay. That's right. You didn't play the, the... And I wore a little green bandana around my head. <laughs> and probably my Gorilla Biscuits t-shirt. That show was fun. And uh, I think all the guys from Strain were there. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I, we played with We played Strain. with them, yeah. Because I, I, mm. I used uh, Eric's bass cabinet. Um, and I, I think I'm, what, did I use his bass? I don't know. He was very uncomfortable with the fact that I was using his equipment. Which I understand. I know you do. That you you and him are, are, I find you guys very similar in your approach to the way you look at your at your equipment. It's not, it's not just equipment. It's not just something anybody can use. This is your, like, curated piece. This is... Well, and I think for the instance you're talking about with that band and we were in Canada, I think, uh, I was like, I'm on tour for six months. I don't have... You know, if, if something happens, I'm screwed. What are you talking about? When 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 I saw you in 
on tour, remember? Oh, there was... Okay, so this is... We didn't talk about this on the podcast, but no. earlier today we were talking about a time when you were on tour with another band and someone wanted to use your drums and you were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally understand. I mean, people were just like, what's wrong with him? It's like, ah, yeah, not Eric for a long time. That, that's not exactly that weird. Like, yeah. Well, I remember... Borrow someone else's drums. The guy, the guy in that band was... He was pretty... He got in my face, I think, a little bit about it. And I was like, dude, really? Get over it. You two should have known each other in different circumstances because I think you would have acted like that guy. Yeah, but I didn't know him, so I was like, exactly. Who the it's, fuck are you? Random out of the blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and no, like I said, you know, Murph and I always shared equipment, and that was never a big deal because I grew up with that kid. He was my buddy. Yeah. So I had no, you know, if he would have fucked my shit up, we would have figured it out. But when it's somebody else and you're on tour and you're going to be on tour for a while, I was like, ah, sorry, buddy. But yeah, so. I gotcha. Well, anyway, so luckily Eric from Strain did let me use his stuff. Yeah. That's how we were able to play up there. But you didn't play the the time, I think, the second to last time Die Down played was in a house in Bellingham in a basement. I thought you were there with us that night. I don't know. And we were just getting crushed by the crowd. That doesn't sound... That I, doesn't, don't, I don't know. So, thought, and Soto wasn't you, in the band, so he can't... I thought you played two shows with us. I might have. Okay. Ron would know. Ron would know. <clears throat> but He's I, listening. He can chime in. Yeah. I have no idea. If he made it to the two-hour mark or whatever we're at right now, he can chime in. <laughs> well, we're really into the deep stuff now. Yeah. This is where you really got to care to be listening. Yeah. It's crazy, though. We played in a fucking lot of bands. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, now, you're, now you're quiet, huh? Well, so after, after Die Down, after Dempsey, you moved away and joined so, St. James Infirmary. Yeah. So I moved in with some friends of mine that were from one of my friends from Seattle moved down to California and married mm -hmm. uh, this awesome dude, Bill. Yeah, the friends Kirsten. Yeah, so I lived with them for a while. We went to their wedding. <clears throat> oh yeah, together we flew down together. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And when you were still living here, we went to their wedding, and that uh, was ninety five. They I had think. a band play at their wedding, and she sang Wolfpack in her wedding dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That was a fucking. That was at Lake Merritt in Oakland. Kirsten, one of the most straight edge people I've ever known in my life. Uh, totally hardcore. Totally awesome. Not trying to burst anybody's bubble, but the last time I saw her, <laughs> don't tell me nothing. <laughs> no, it's actually it's a good story because it was it? the last time I saw Jody. Oh yeah. And uh, from Strain, and it was Bill, Jody, and Kirsten, and I ended up buying them all dinner. At this little warehouse, it was called the Warehouse Cafe in Port Costa, where I lived. Mm -hmm. And he's all, "Yeah, can I get a PBR?" Who said that? Bill did. Oh, yeah, but it was for Kirsten, and I was like, "What?" Well, I'm cutting this the fuck out of this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to. No, I don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, I literally was like, I mean, I don't care anymore because I'm, you know, hey, come I'm on, old. it's still a thing. What are you? Gonna no, do? but I was surprised. Like, there's a few people that I'm like. If I if I ever heard about you drinking, I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. So to see someone that was straight edge before I even knew what straight edge yeah. was. And I remember I have photos in my personal photos where Kirsten's in the crowd at a, probably a brotherhood show or a, not a brotherhood, but a um, resolution show or undertow. Yeah. Well, it was shows that I was at because I was taking the photos. Oh, right, right. Um, I'm like. She's wearing a chain of strength t-shirt and she's totally X'd up and she's like, yeah. And, uh, so all those years later to see her drinking a PBR, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was pretty crazy, but yeah, it's, it's not a, a big deal. Yeah. I'm just heartbroken. <clears throat> you can't believe. I'm sorry. 
But that was the last time I saw Joe. See, because people always be like, oh, girls can't be straight edge. And I was always like, you know, I mean, I'd say that sometimes too, like fuck with somebody. But I was always like, no, nah, it's not true because Kirsten. Yeah. She, that was my thing. That yeah. was, she was my, she was my holdout. But I, I know other, other, the truth is, I don't know very many people that are still straight edge anyway. Yeah. So it's not like it really matters. She held out for a long time. Oh yeah. She raised the, she certainly raised the average amount of time that, uh, that ladies would be straight edge. Yeah. If you take the small amount of women that are straight edge at all and the large amount of dudes, I think just the fact that Kirsten was around for that long kind of ups their, their per person yeah. average above men. Yeah, but that that was a weird night because that was the last time I saw Jody. Oh, and uh, I Jody tried from Strain. Yeah, I tried to see him. Well, he contacted me again after that because he was in Port Costa, and I was just getting off work and I missed him. I saw him drive by, and then four months later was when I heard about the accident. Oh God! Okay, so it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and we were supposed to hang out, and he's like, "Oh shit, I'll I'll see you next time." And then the next time I saw some, I don't get on Facebook that often, but when yeah. I did. I saw that, and then my friend Julie, who was also Kirsten's friend, um, I just messaged her, and I was like, "What do you, you know, what is this shit?" So that was pretty rough, but uh, yeah, it was a real bummer. That was in between. Uh, I wasn't recording any podcasts, and I was just like, you know, I was looking at my list of people, and I'm like, "This fucking sucks." Like, yeah. there's his name with a little box next to it that doesn't have a check mark. Like, yeah, he's never coming down to hang out and record. Like, it's not. It was. Yeah. Just, kind of i mean it's it, you look at things kind of from your own like yeah viewpoint, right and that was kind of what i was doing when i heard it you know it's yeah. like this is awful <clears throat> man soto got fucking quiet well, yeah i'm just <laughs> it's all the fucking it's not about bread. me it's, i'm just here to <laughs> so quickly yeah. let's let's catch it up because so basically what usually happens in this podcast is we get up to the mid 90s with people that i've known for a long time yeah. right we kind of get up to the mid 90s and then it's like it seems like that took forever. That was everything we ever did. And then the 20 years since then, which is more time than any of the time we've talked about, just seems to have gone by like like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what have you been doing? You've been in a couple bands. You moved mm. to California. And yes. I have seen you like a couple of times since in 96. 20, yeah, it's been yeah. 20 years since I left. And I haven't played my drums. I quit playing drums and playing in bands in 2003. Okay. And After time in Malta. Yeah. Okay. My last show was at Slim's. Uh, can't remember who we played with, but awesome tour, awesome show. We had just gotten home from Europe. Um, so, yeah, I quit. I moved to L.A. And, um, oh, I actually, I had started playing a lot for other people. I played for a band called The Criminals for a little bit. Oh, sure, I did yeah. a U.S. tour with them. So I, I was starting to be, like, playing on people's records. Um, the guys from American Steel had a new band. What were they called? Uh, they were called American Steel, and then they formed a band called Communique. Right. Okay. I saw on Discogs actually today that your name was linked to them, but you it wasn't you in the picture. Yeah. Of them. No. And I was like, well, maybe I literally, this is a mistake. No, I literally just played on their record and uh, took a day off of work. I worked at a drum store and uh, recorded their record. And then not too long after that, I did a record on, or I did two songs on a record for Madonna's label, Maverick. Hmm. And then I did a TV commercial. Uh, for the WB and it was all for this band this Canadian band it was all like 15 year old girls <laughs> called Lilix I remember, yeah, I remember okay that. yeah I remember but, that and you played drums for it yeah so I knew the producer owned the studio that I did a lot of work at and so he used me for hmm. two songs on a record and one song on a TV commercial 
Only time I ever made money playing drums in my whole career. You, I don't know why you didn't just keep doing that because I would think you would be well suited for that. Well, so I moved to LA after I did that recording and, and on that record, there was uh, the drummer for Frank Zappa and Sting. Uh, his name is Vinny Caluda. Fucking upper echelon of the stratosphere for drummers. Like, you know, it's like Neil Peart, Vinny Caluda. You know, mm -hmm. those are the guys. His name was on that record. Uh, Josh Freese, who plays in every band in L.A., was on that record. So I was like, fucking A, I'm moving to L.A. and I'm going to be a studio musician. And pretty much as soon as I got there, I was like, fuck this. Oh, you weren't into it. Well, I'm I'm not a schmoozer, right? I'm what you see is what you get. Uh, so yeah, it didn't there's really a work social out. game component that goes along with it, which is just... why I'm you know. So yeah, that's why I don't play drums anymore. I was like, I have to grow up, and I'm not sleeping on floors anymore. Uh, you could still play drums. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm actually working on getting that back into my life because all I do is work and sleep. Yes, this is like the true story. This is like, okay, you were at your lowest low, but then, and then the last chapter is you're like playing drums. Like if we, if this was a video, the last thing we'd show would be you like just starting to play drums again for the yeah. first time. So we just, I just got to get myself to that part. You don't have the drums? Oh, I have all my drums. It's just literally a, a matter of just sitting down and playing, huh? Well, I don't have anywhere to play. I, I take that back. I do. The guy um, from American Steel and Communique owns a studio recording place and rehearsal place. And he's given me a key. I just got to go. But I work crazy job. What's your new band going to be called? Uh, it's going to be an ABBA cover band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do originals anymore. It's going to be all covers. No, I don't know. All ABBA covers? <laughs> I, I, Bob. Yeah, I would. I will play again, but I'll probably never play in a band again. I don't think. Okay. But, unless somebody moves to California, because <laughs> I'm never moving back to Seattle. You're never moving back to Seattle. Well, you were never. up here, and I recently <clears throat> I thought you had put out the word that you might be considering it. Did I? <clears throat> did, am I remembering that wrong? Did you not a while back say you were thinking about coming back up this way? Like seven years ago. Well, that seems like yesterday to me. Was it, that seven years ago? Well, that was the last time. I thought this was on Facebook. Did we even have Facebook seven years ago? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but the last time I played was actually here in Seattle, uh, October 3rd, 2009, which has a really cool meaning for us because one of our oldest childhood friends, John Kraft, had disappeared from our lives for a long time. And then because of the stupid, horrible Facebook, he reconnected with us and saw that Undertow, Strain... Our band, yeah. a bunch of bands were doing a reunion show, and our buddy John came out from Colorado and ended up meeting his future wife, Tracy, at our show. So, yeah. Facebook, as awful as it is, I have reconnected. Like, I think we all forget when it was coming together and everyone was getting on board. I mean, how many long lost people did you find and reconnect with on there? Yep. There were people in my life that I didn't know if I would ever hear from again who just popped up on Facebook one day. It's powerful, yep. but it just, I think I tracked someone down last year that I didn't know. I didn't know what they were, that they were going by a different, a version of their name. I didn't, I had never heard. So I put out a call to my high school friends. How do I find this person? And like 10 minutes later, Oh, here's his, here's his profile. Yeah. It's awesome. crazy. I love it. That's what I like when I get on and yeah. I see it's all about politics and name calling. And well, it's still too new. Honestly. I mean, that novelty is going to wear off. People are just like, I got to say something. It's like, no, you don't.
You don't actually just think about what you think. But I have for like ten years first. But I have an opinion. That's it. That's it. Let it stew for ten years. Grow the fuck up. Let's that. That's Live funny that. that he brings that up because I'm guilty. We used to all... I, do, I do it all the time. I love the fight on Facebook. No, no, and no. No one would be surprised to hear that. No, this is an epic Soto story that you have to hear. We're hanging out in Everett. And I started getting tattooed when I was 16 years old. Oh, boy. Which is illegal. Don't do that. I already know this story. But we would always joke, and I'd be like, what's your tattoo going to be? And he's all, Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> Or Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Clean. Oh, I, I, yeah. Mr. Bubbles, I was thinking a little thing that scrubs a bathtub. Well, I was, so I used to joke about getting Mr. Bubble, too. So right. I was being ironic, because everybody I fucking knew was tattooed. Ironical. <laughs> you gotta understand, again, this is going back to my anti-materialism phase. Everything's funny to me, because mm -hmm. I'm young, and that's a new thought to me. I'm like, what if we just got funny tattoos instead of serious ones? And, right, and then did you see one tattoo? And dress in sweatpants. Oh, yeah, he's got that. What? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Ron have Mr. Clean? He might. <laughs> Ron probably does. But I thought Mr. Clean was like the ultimate straight edge icon, obviously. Well, so yeah, absolutely. fast forward. I'm surprised he didn't catch on more. I know. You fast forward like 15, 20 years. He thought about it and thought about it. And he's going to get it right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he, fin he finally got it. He started getting tattooed, which yeah. I thought was like. At 31. You know, yeah. He waited. Yeah. And it was a Motley Crue tattoo. Yeah. Something I would have gotten when I was 14. Soto likes to really spend yeah. some time contemplating. Yeah, yeah as people should. Deep thinker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay. So then we've t we've come all the way up to now. Yeah. Now you're working. You have a badass adult job. Kind of. I want to be a kid again. You want to be a kid again. <laughs> That's where the drum thing is coming Yeah, I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. You're getting right. to that age where just don't go buy a red convertible, dude. Just no. go back to the drums. Yeah. <laughs> I have a funny story, too. I sold one of my drum kits to Bunny Carlos from nice. Cheap Trick. <laughs> really? That was cool. That I was bought cool. I bought this drum set in Indiana on tour with Time in Malta. Uh -huh. And it was probably one of the, the rarest drum kits I had ever seen in my life. And I worked at a vintage drum store. And I knew uh, Trey Cool and my friend Bill, mm -hmm. or our friend Bill, was his, you know, he worked for Green Day. So I would see fucking crazy drum kits and I would go around and I would, I actually was like really into that stuff. And I ended up buying this drum kit that was probably maybe 15 drum kits were built just like it. Was ever. it in a shop? Or It was in a guitar center of all places. Okay. And I think we needed strings or somebody you know we're on tour so somebody just kind of it turned your head like what is that doing sitting there and it was they had a sign up for seventeen hundred dollars and i was like what the fuck and i but i didn't want to show my surprise so i mm -hmm. went up and they were just gonna they were literally gonna put it on the internet that day on ebay they were lowering the price and i said i like it i'll take it but you got to ship it to me in berkeley uh you got to ship it like this you got to do this blah 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 but i want it for fifteen hundred bucks shipping included and they're like Okay. And then I, I turn around and hold on to it for probably 10 years. No, not even six years. And I sold it to the drummer for Cheap Trick for four grand. <laughs> and I could, and I, it, to buy it today, you know, eight years later, yeah. it would probably be double that now. Oh, wow. I mean, it's such a rare drum kit and it's so cool. And he was actually a really cool guy and was like, if you ever want to come see my band, you know, let me know. I'll put you on the guest list. And Awesome. 
so it's cool. You know, I, I have a, uh, I will always have, I have a drum set in my apartment right now. It's not set up, but it's my furniture. You just know that it's there. Yeah. It's comforting to you. So I, I will always have a special place in my heart for drums and I will play again, but we'll see. I'm excited for it. I can't wait till I see your next band. ABBA cover band. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, thanks for doing this, man. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. This has been great. Yeah. So do you want do you want to say anything? Any parting words? No. This is great. Party. This is great to be back here again. This is great. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. part time two for you. Yeah. And we'll, you know, yeah. we'll find another, uh, find another way to do this. Yeah. Over yeah. Yeah. crazy yeah. bread. Over crazy bread. Yeah. Always a good time. Awesome. Well, thanks you guys. Thanks for having us. Well, there it is, the return of I've Known You Too Long. I think it went pretty well. I hope you agree. A couple corrections that I need to make. I think I make this first correction in the show, but I did it more than once, so this is a horrible mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. My head was weird. Uh, A couple times, I refer to the band Hateful Youth as Hated Youth, and that makes no sense. We cleared up in the episode, but I should be better than that. Come on. That was Ron's band. I've put pictures of them up on the episode pages before. Like, I write it all the time. People reference them. So, yeah, that should have been done right. And it wasn't, so I'm fessing up. Uh, The other thing is, when we're talking about the cult, I said, I remember getting mixed results. And what I meant to say was, I remember getting mixed reviews. Um, At the time, the shows with Metallica that we're talking about, I remember a lot of people saying that they were terrible on stage at those shows. However, those could have been Metallica fans that just didn't like the cult. So who knows? But the point is, it's mixed reviews, not mixed results. I'm stupid. Sometimes. Whatever. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. We're back. Tell people about the show. Let people know about it. It, Go, hey, if you would go to iTunes and give us a five-star review... Talk about if you like it, you know, the stuff that you do to, like, spread the word. That would be really, really helpful. That keeps us, you know, that helps us get discovered. And the more people listen to the show, I'll have, uh, you know, more reason to do it. All right, so there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming up. More features coming to nobody'snose.com. I think we're going to start having a, a column on there from a guy named Doug Lawless. Some of you might follow him on Twitter. He hasn't been all that active, but he's beginning to... He's beginning to want to say some stuff, kind of inspired by the current political climate. As I'm recording this, we're three weeks away from the election, and Doug wants to talk about it. All right, until next time, thanks. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos, and Debris.